gentlemen, welcome to episode number 93 of the Whatever He Show. Also um, known as Fuck Until They're Dead. <laughs> um, oh. it, for the, it, that, that's actually probably one of the things we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, Matt is actually re-watching, or I should say watching for the first time, Game of Thrones. He's in the middle of season four right now, which is really fun for me because I just finished, of course, the finale that was on last night. Uh, and I just, it's going to be really hard for me not to say anything that's not a total spoiler. So His balls actually ache because he can't talk about it. It, it is. It's very blue. It, it's very blue. Um, it, it's not, it's, it, we're passing Smurf. We're in the more like, it? Like, 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 like one? They, <laughs> oh shit, they're on to me. Um, we're also going to talk about, speaking of uh, no balls, uh, we're going to talk about t- Donald Trump a little bit tonight. <laughs> and the Defenders. And the Defenders. Uh, we've Ooh. got... We've got UFC uh, to talk about, that the match that I missed because I flaked because I'm uh, a lazy piece of shit. Uh, I didn't, though. I totally watched uh, Mayweather McGregor, and uh, I will give you my synopsis. Yeah, cool. Um, get a whole bunch of DC news tonight. We've got Wonder Woman stuff. Uh, we've got Affleck Batman. Um, this, this, man, this, this, is, the, this is my favorite headline. Ben Affleck is still Batman, but not the Batman. And the Batman isn't part of the DCU, but it is part of the DCU. Additionally, Jared Leto will be the Joker in the new movie. Along with Margot Robbie, but he's not the Joker in the upcoming Joker movie. So basically, there's a lot of LSD floating around that's the DC one, head offices. That's one topic tonight. Yeah. We got some Thor footage. We've got fucking Ant-Man and the Wasp. We got Evangeline Lilly, uh, first pictures of, in, in, of her as the Wasp. Uh, spoiler, she's still really hot. Um, we got Weird. some Hellboy stuff. We've got... We've got... A music review, actually. I'm really excited. Um, one of my favorite bands ever at this point, Queen of the Stone Age, uh, just launched a new album on the 25th. That was Friday, uh, called Villains. Uh, and if you want to hear what I think about it, stick around. Um, um, this might be the last episode of the Whatever Show because we're going to talk about this record and I'm going to say some things and he's probably going to take a oh, second to it. God damn it. Okay, let me go get some knives. I, I didn't... I'm, I'm going to preface it by saying I didn't hate it. Oh no! Like, like there's a lot of influences. One in particular that I'm totally gonna just probably rag on the entire time. Okay, this this should be fun. All right, stick around. We'll be back for that in a little bit. <laughs> gentlemen um we bring you some news that happened just this last friday um that's three days ago as we record this um probably two or three weeks after uh you hear this um just kidding uh we uh, you know donald trump he's a man of of many sides he you know of course has a very strong moral compass and he thought even though it was controversial uh that this week he would come out and he would pardon satan uh that's right the devil himself uh has received a full pardon from donald trump uh donald trump saying you know i think i made the right call um okay not really satan uh, but just for clarification, not much better. We are talking about a man who uh, lovingly referred to his uh, tent camps in which people died as concentration camps. Uh, we are talking about a man who ignored hundreds of sex abuse cases because they were for um, minorities, particularly Hispanics. We're talking about somebody who uh, was eventually thrown out and held in contempt, not once, but twice. Two judges upheld his thing, and, and that's how he eventually got sentenced for contempt because because he wouldn't stop racially profiling minorities. We're talking about literally probably one of the worst people. Oh, you know what? Shit, shit cherry on the shit cake. Also a birther. Um, also, you know, since early the, the 2010s when this uh, whole ridiculous fucking fiasco started, uh, 
was saying that Obama, of course, was a Kenyan-born Muslim and the birth certificate was fake. He sent deputies to Hawaii to obtain the birth certificate. And when they did, uh, they still made up some bullshit. So it was fake. So just suffice it to say, Joe Arpaio, uh, former sheriff of Maricopa County in Arizona, gigantic piece of shit, no redeeming qualities. Uh, And of course, uh, Donald Trump pardoned him. Um, you might wonder, well, why would Donald Trump do that? That seems like a no-win situation. Is he just trying to appease his Nazi fan base that he's also apparently a kind of a part of? Or is there something else? Yeah, it turns out there's something else. Arpaio was also one of the first uh, people to come out and publicly endorse Trump um, because, you know, pieces of shit flock together, I guess. You know, it's interesting, um, especially given the, 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 the mess that has been uh, Charlottesville over the last several weeks um, and Donald Trump, you know, taken a very very strong stance against racism oh, yeah, uh, you, know, you know that he would that he would pardon somebody like this it's just yeah. it's mind-boggling it's it's very surprising you don't it's it's not consistent at all you wouldn't think that somebody who who is obviously not a racist like donald trump you know when he came out at charlottesville with his statements about the many sides. i can't keep doing this like, yeah i know it's terrible i can't even say it with a straight face i i cannot fucking get the timing on this one like don't get me wrong uh there's never going to be a good time to pardon our, our pile uh because there, there, that shouldn't happen um this is a, a man who's clearly guilty of doing exactly the type of shit that is horrible um and that he deserves everything he got for it um this is clearly a man with no redeeming qualities um so there's there's there is a zero percent chance he should have ever received a pardon um do do you know what i think but they did but it's like a week after charlottesville after he's like oh no i'm not racist clearly this this is not racism blah 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 uh many sides etc good people very very good people very good people the next week he he pardons somebody who is objectively and obviously quite fucking racist um yeah you know the here's the thing i'm kind of done with the presidential pardon um there's going to be opposition anytime there's a pardon done by a president because a pardon literally is somebody that you know committed a crime and you're just like you know what we forgive you like this is done i I don't know how i feel about pardons in general because they get used for fucked up shit but on the other hand like obama used a lot of pardons to pardon you know nonviolent drug offenders um which was sort of like a, a very clear statement but like here's you know like this is the scary thing that trump is teaching us i think which is the president has really kind of a lot of power i mean i know we got three branches of government and there's supposed to be separation and stuff like that but the president has really a lot of power uh the scariest one for me is over nuclear weaponry there's no checks on that shit no Uh, he can order a nuclear strike and that's it Yep. Like nobody has to agree with that. Like uh, uh, nobody has to do anything with that. It's just Trump says, hey, we should nuke North Korea or uh, fucking London because they didn't, you know, the ratings for the apprentice isn't good over there. Uh, and people have to do that legally. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess crazy. My, my point is this. You're going to have opposition no matter what, because when you pardon somebody, they're, they're, they're somebody that's obviously guilty of having committed oh, yeah. a crime you, at some You can't point. really make a decision so that's going to make everybody it? happy in the United why States. Why do we even just why do we do it? You know what I mean? Like, Ford didn't have to pardon Nixon, like, because it was the presidential thing to do. Fuck that. You know? Like, it just didn't have to be done. And, yeah, it it goes along with my my whole theory on creating statues to immortalize individuals. Like, this whole thing in Charlottesville and with, you know, the potential of the Columbus statue in New York being taken down and all this kind of stuff. Like, there's people up in arms about it. At the same time, we're just like, well, they were a racist piece of shit. Lewis and Clark rapey racist piece of shit you know like pieces of shit i guess you know they're an individual person is flawed by nature like they're not perfect and the longer they're immortalized in bronze the longer we have to sit back and reflect on well there was that one thing that happened that was kind of cool 
But in the, at the end of the day, like they're a terrible person. So, dude, don't get me wrong. This is like, like a problem I have even recording a podcast every week is because I know that you can go back to some issue, some episode. In fact, there are probably several you can go back and be like, "Well, this guy's an asshole," um, and you're probably not wrong. The last week show and find that out about <laughs> us, but you're not wrong. And so, like immortalizing these things for all time. I mean, of course, as as thoughts and values change over the the years, um, these things are all going to change. But you know, that's even I think giving a little bit of grace here because it's not like a like oh we had a little bit of a difference of opinion it's like no you rebelled against the united states you were on the losing side you fought for slavery um you really you just that's not a win like that you shouldn't have got a statue made of you in the first place especially not in the fucking 50s this Um, actually didn't make air because lloyd and i had this conversation after you took off last week but (coughs) we were talking a little bit about the statues and stuff like that and he was like as an artist, it's hard for me to see these things just torn down. He's like, I'm all for them not being publicly displayed, you know, in a town Oh, yeah, stick them in a museum. Put it in a museum. That's where it belongs. Yeah, or the other thing is, too, is apparently there's lots of other countries that, like, teach American history that would absolutely love those those statues and stuff like that. So they can be oh, like, for sure. Look how fucked up they were for the yeah. people that they, they revered as heroes, you know, that kind of a thing. So I don't think the art should be destroyed necessarily because even if we don't like the person that is represented in that art, somebody slaved away on it you know oh yeah yeah don't get me wrong like i don't necessarily agree with destroying the the particular artifacts in fact i think it's it's more effective um to put them somewhere where we can learn from them use them in a classroom setting use them in a museum put them in a school somewhere um the thing is though when you erect a statue in town square and everybody has to walk by that every day it's clear that that that's not a learning experience that's a a matter of reverence especially when it's done in the like 40s and 50s in the height of the civil war uh, i'm not civil war fucking um civil rights movement Mm mm-hmm um, that wasn't put there so we could reflect and remember our history and learn from it and come out on the other side better. That was put there, did you know, quite determinedly to be um, um, intimidating and racist. So, uh, you know, that, that was a very clear line in the sand that they were drawing, uh, um, a, you know, th- sort of through metaphor and uh, dog whistling and that kind of bullshit. So, yeah, take them down. Uh, take them down. That's the thing. Take and them down. Just you don't. Nec- that doesn't necessarily mean destroy them. Here's here's my answer to every single right winger that's asked me if I think that we should take down the pyramids of Giza as well. Um, that doesn't fucking make any sense. And you're setting up a straw man. It absolutely mark? makes zero sense. And here's why: um, in the BC era, most buildings were made by slaves. Like, period. End of story. Like, that's that's who made the the buildings, and they but weren't a statue that was representing anything. Like, they were actual, legitimate, functional buildings, tombs, whatnot. Like, they they were built for a purpose. They were not built just to be like, hey, look what I did. Yeah, you know, say and and that's the other thing too. Like the the timing, I think, is a big important part of that because the pyramids of Giza, Giza built by slaves, the pharaohs, of course, uh, slave slave um, owners, and you know, used slavery for a lot of the work, and we still have you know statues of of that. But at this point, they're artifacts. Like they're not um like these are you know modern in the sense that you know they're sixty or seventy years old, but they're modern. And they weren't, you know, it's not like we built the pyramids of Giza 60 years ago. And it's and, not like and, these and statues sh- were erected, like, during the Civil War or anything else. Like, they're not Civil War era heirlooms or anything like that. These statues were built hundreds sometimes you have years later, just... Yeah, and, and and it's also has to do with like the difference between being built by slaves. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that in the world that were built by slaves that deserve reverence. Um, partly, in in fact, because they were built by slaves, like one of the things that makes the pyramids of Giza more sacred is the fact that they were built by slaves. Uh, um, and looking back on that and remembering why that's important and why we don't want to go back to that sort of place. And then there's the um you know sort of the confederate statues and monuments and stuff like that those weren't built by slaves those were built by people um you know artists probably um some racist some not i i I couldn't really draw a line there i'm not familiar enough um 
or just somebody who got a paycheck to build a statue precisely um the the thing there though is like it doesn't have to do with you know whether or not it's it's a remnant of slavery um like of the institution of slavery it has to do with the purpose of its build um you know so even the pyramids of giza they they weren't you know built as a way to prop up slavery and stuff like that they were built you know uh, for for lots of other reasons and so you know it's kind of a different scenario almost you know almost entirely in fact let's just say it's a different scenario entirely so so far anybody who i've heard use that argument my immediate thought is well, you're a moron, and that doesn't make any sense, uh, so maybe try harder. Um, secondarily, why are we still fucking fighting so hard for the Confederacy um, about anything? They seceded from the, or they attempted to secede from the United States over slavery. They lost. Uh, we are giving way too much glory to the losers in, on the wrong side of history. Like, so, yeah, think about that maybe next time. Um, yeah, for sure. We got a long way from uh, the piece of shit Joe Arpaio being pardoned. Uh, it's not really that far away, though, because when it all comes down to it, um, it's just a matter of whether or not we should be rewarding people for bad behavior. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it all boils down to that one particular argument. And the answer, my friends, is no. We should not reward people for bad behavior. No, no. Um, when, when you're an unapologetic, completely horrible person, um, you don't you shouldn't get a presidential pardon is the thing. But the thing is, is when your president is also an unapologetic, horrible person, there's a yeah. very good chance that you might. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Something hopefully less shitty. I don't know. We'll find out. Matt will tell me. Um, UFC, of course, had one of the big fights of the, the, the um, recent memory. That's McGregor versus Mayweather. And I didn't get to see it, so Matt, tell me about it. Um, so I actually did um, get to see it. Uh, it was at a, at, at a buddy's house with several other spectators going by. It, The actual main event fight itself, Mayweather versus McGregor, was actually very, very, very fun to watch. Um, kind of on the edge of my seat most of the time. Um, you got Conor McGregor, who is known for being a UFC champion. He's not a boxer. Um, agreed to step into, you know, uh, the squared circle Mm-hmm. Um, with Floyd Money Mayweather, who is forty nine and zero undefeated, um, uh, and very very rich, um, very rich. I can't can't even begin to tell you how rich. Anyway, uh, it was fun. Um, Mayweather is a good boxer. He's whether you like him or you don't. Um, I I kind of guess that depends on what side of the fence you're on on whether or not men should hit women. Uh. <laughs> uh but uh, he's a very good boxer, and uh, Conor McGregor actually came out and looked really, really strong against him. Um, spoilers, he did not win. Um, it did go 10 out of 12 rounds, or 9.5, I guess, because he, he, it was a TKO in, in the middle of the ninth round. Um, but uh, actually, the first three, the first three rounds, he, he actually owned my, uh, Mayweather. And nobody saw that coming, although Mayweather did say that that was kind of part of his team's plan going in is give him a couple rounds, see where he's coming from and and build your defense off of that. And if there's one thing that that Floyd Money Mayweather is known for, it's it's actually knowing how to defend when he's in the ring. He actually turns his back quite a bit and and, uh, is able to get the the uh, official to come in and and kind of separate people pretty quick by doing so, which gives him a little bit more more uh, longevity. It's interesting going into this because um, 
the the two prevailing thoughts i heard were um sort of on the far end of the spectrum going in which was like uh mcgregor is not a boxer he's gonna get owned it'll be over in a round or two uh and then the converse uh, was uh mayweather is not an ultimate fighter uh mcgregor takes harder hits than this all the time it's gonna be over in a round or two um so that it went nine rounds to me is kind of interesting in and of itself um so number one it it was done under boxing rules not ufc rules so that's that's part of of what made it really interesting to me they did however um instead of using the 10 ounce gloves um that that is predominantly used in that weight class they the judges um or officials or whoever the commission um granted may uh mcgregor's request and dropped the the weight of the gloves down to eight ounce gloves so he was able to use gloves that were a little bit um lighter than than what a normal boxer would have that's still twice the weight of the gloves that ufc fighters wear because they they wear four ounce gloves when they put their gloves on mm-hmm. uh, but i think it was a decent compromise and um mcgregor did have some issues kind of because in the ufc like if somebody's head is exposed you can punch them in it uh, <laughs> in the back of the head you can't do that in boxing yeah. Um, and so there's a couple times he got warned for the, you know, the, the rabbit punch in the back of the head. I'm going to guess he was probably fighting instinct a lot of times because when you've wrestled or when you've yeah. not wrestled, but when you fought as much, like it, you just get those like sort of muscle memory sort of like, yeah, of course, heads exposed. I'm going to take him out. Sort honestly, of thing. I'm surprised. I'm surprised Mayweather didn't get a shin to the ribs. Yeah. You know, at yeah. some point, you, that's a lot of discipline to be able to because you're trained for one thing for so many years. And then all of a sudden you have to do this other thing. Um, So I got to give I got to give props to McGregor uh, for how well he did. My my bitch with this fight is it was expensive as hell. Like it is not like a fifty dollar pay per view like like a lot of pay per views are. This was legitimately ninety nine ninety five if you wanted to order this pay per view. Um, and there was only three preliminary bouts before the you know the main event. So you're talking four boxing matches, and uh, you know for a hundred bucks. Yeah. So um, getting together with a bunch of friends, awesome. You know, there was enough was there. It was like ten bucks a piece or whatnot, and it was it was good time. Good times were had by all, so they say. That's kind of the only way I can picture doing this. Like, um, um I don't have the money for a hundred dollar pay per view. Do you know what they were charging for bars? Hmm. Bars actually, they their deal with pay per view companies are are different, and so they have to pay by the occupancy. Jesus Christ! And so they literally pay like thirty dollars per seat. Well, to to air it. So there's a lot of bars that actually didn't have it because it was so fucking expensive for that fight. Yeah, I, I that I don't blame him. Like, I mean, if if you got fifty seats in your, well, I mean, just think like even at an average drink price is like eight dollars, um, <laughs> which well, is which is kind of on the high end, you know. Like for most of the bars around here, we're talking about like eight, you know, um, fucking eight dollars is is a Long Island or something like that. Um, and you know, you gotta have three or four of those to make up the difference, so. Yeah, and and the thing is, is some bars will charge covers and stuff like that if there's a pay per view, and I get that, but they're never gonna charge the kind of cover that's actually gonna recoup that particular expense. Oh yeah, so, no, thirty dollars, thirty dollars a fight. Like you have to be like somewhere in Vegas or something like that for that to actually make any sense. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it was it was fun. One of the prelim matches, um, there was a guy that came out in a Smurf hood and had a large fuzzy blue stripe down the side of both sides of his shorts, which was interesting. Um, all of us actually in the room when he came out really kind of hoped he got knocked out really quick because that just was ridiculous. Uh, it didn't happen. He ended up winning, but he did not get, here's the thing. He came out, didn't make weight, but the other fighter said that he would go ahead and fight anyway. 
So they almost didn't even have the match. Then they did have the match. The guy won, but he didn't even get to keep his own title. He had to give that up because he didn't make weight and because he changed weight classes anyway. So he was actually, I think the the not making weight kind of was on purpose because he was moving up to a heavier weight class. And I think he didn't want to worry about cutting to make that one particular fight official. Um, so that was kind of interesting. He also won an auspicious, you know, in, in an auspicious manner. So, wow. Um, Main event, though, it was fun. Um, like I said, if you were in with a group of friends and whatnot, like you probably had a good time. If you were sitting in your living room by yourself with a six-pack of Miller, you probably spent $100. Um, you had to really like fighting for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you were probably still lonely at the end of the day. So, yeah. I mean, what, <laughs> what are you going to do? All right, so good fight? Yeah, it was a good fight. I liked it. I, I, I had fun. You'd have, you'd have had fun if you were there, but you, yeah. you pushed out. So uh, it, It's true. all right well we'll be back to talk about tv in just a second we're gonna grab a refill all right we're back let's uh talk some tv we got some tv to talk about um we we have defenders defenders came out last week um week before last ago i think yeah Yeah. about two weeks ago we hadn't finished it by the time we recorded last time so we had not and i think because some of the other guys on the table last week were not really watching it we didn't want to spoil anything so sam had watched it yeah he was actually the only one done with it you were about halfway done i'd watched half an episode at that point so yeah uh so we've all finished it now um and at least by all i mean me and matt um the only so, ones that are here right now so we're the only ones that matter fuckers. yeah pretty much um so what do you think um not the strongest outing from the marvel netflix uh shows better than iron fist but not up to daredevil standards that's fair yeah. um my eddie and i talked about this a little bit before um so just high level um plot is you know the hand is trying to basically um, get into a section of Kunlun that's still open, um, apparently underneath New York, uh, to get some stuff. Um, and in order to do that, they need Iron Fist uh, to open the the gateway to it. Um, fair enough. My my opinion um, on the matter, though, is that we probably shouldn't have had an Iron Fist TV show like beforehand. Um, and I don't want to shit on Finn Jones or anything like that because I don't actually think it's his fault, but like the, the Iron Fist season that we got was the weakest by far of any of the, the Marvel TV shows. And I really think they could have used a longer season of the defenders and introduced Iron Fist in the defenders and probably gotten away with having a better overall story arc in the defenders and not have had people shit on Iron Fist nearly as much. Yeah, so I think we're mostly in agreement there. Although I will say hindsight kind of is what drives that because like you could like there's a world in which there's a really great Iron Fist show that went 13 episodes that was really amazing. We'd all still be talking about it and it'd be one of those favorite things. Um, but that's not this world. And so in hindsight, what I would say is we didn't have enough story fleshed out to do an Iron Fist TV show. So yeah, the way I'd probably go today is do 10, 10 to 13 episodes. I don't on even think it has to be Defenders. a hindsight kind of a thing. I think if you look at it and the fact that Iron Fist was a, was the linchpin in the whole plan for the hand and everything like that. I think that's a super way to introduce him. Like that's, well, I mean, he's kind of, yeah. Iron Fist in this episode or in this um, series was kind of a MacGuffin. The only care, the only character that I think would have suffered from that is Colleen because she did get a, a a lot of, of character progression in in the Iron Fist series. Yeah. But since they both actually, both of the characters completely forgot about that progression 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the defenders, I don't think it really matters. Yeah. So for me, defenders was a solid six out of 10. Um, I yeah, will say the, um, maybe in a 6.5, you know, depending on what episode you're watching. Yeah, pretty much. There were parts of it that I really enjoyed. Um, number one, Electra. Um, so like, especially having, you know, maybe this is like, uh, ha- having favorably compared her to, um, uh, Jennifer Garner, Electra, which of course was dog shit for lots of reasons. I mean, we had um, her in, in season two of Daredevil, but honestly, I was super glad when I saw her come back because I really thought it was going to be season three of Daredevil before we actually saw the payoff for that. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that. They built a strong character in that. Um, there's the team dynamic, which I think was mostly good, but not as good as I would have liked. Um, there was the obligatory superhero fight. Yeah. Which I think I think we I think we just need to end that. Like, I don't think that actually needs to be a thing. Yeah. Like the heroes don't need to fight every time. Um the actual superhero fights, once they are all, you know, sort of like a team up, were not great but not terrible either. Like I, I do think like I was really like when I watched the Avengers for the first time, seeing the way the team interacted and all that stuff was amazing. You know, like watching Iron Man shoot lasers off Tony's shield and, and, and all that kind of shit. That was pretty amazing. We didn't quite get there with uh defenders this time around, but it wasn't bad either. So I'll I'll give him that. Um my main criticism, I think, is that uh, I just couldn't care about the stakes. Like, the villains to me were sort of, you know, like, uh, the, the downside here is that most of the villains we had from this season um, were just people I didn't care about. I don't think that we got the the one guy that only spoke Japanese. Have we seen him before? No, he was yeah. he was entirely. So he's new to Defenders. New, yeah. You've got Bakudo, who was from Iron Fist, which means nobody gives a shit. Um, you've got. He was six- also the kid that was like Sam Witwicky's roommate in uh, fucking uh, Transformers Two or some shit. So, <laughs> yeah, you've got. That's, he's got that against him already. <laughs> you've got Sigourney Weaver playing a new character who's mildly interesting, but not interesting enough for me. And then you've got uh, Madame Gao, who is probably the strongest of the, the the villains this time around. The problem is though, they're all pale, pale comparisons to um say Kilgrave. Um Kilgrave is actually probably one of my favorite Marvel villains, period, bar none. Do like, we think do do we think we see Kilgrave ever again in the in the No, I think he's dead dead serious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean maybe flashbacks, maybe I, I su- assume that Jessica is gonna have some shit to deal with in season two related to Kilgrave. Tenant makes a much better Kilgrave than he does Scrooge McDuck. That's all I'm saying. And that's nothing yeah, against probably fair. Nothing against Tenant. I think we're probably dealing with the script there, but um yeah and then of course uh fisk you know like wilson fisk um he was an amazing villain in season one of daredevil 2 and that was actually kind of one of my complaints about season two of daredevil is that um it's kind of hard to top that villain i actually preferred season two of daredevil over season one honestly i i, I did as well uh, but i think villain wise season one was better uh or season one had a better villain than season two even though i think i overall preferred season two better for lots of other reasons. i think i would have really enjoyed a punisher cameo in the season wouldn't hurt um we talked about this a little bit before we actually started recording you know eddie's kind of a big fan of barenthal's acting as well as charlie cox's so yeah um a little bit of characters uh, a little bit of chemistry between two characters would have been great because honestly um he wasn't really in the room with karen a ton and they had great chemistry in the first two seasons of uh of daredevil as well as him and foggy and they didn't really get a lot of on-screen facetime either uh there was a couple scenes but that's basically it most of the time and honestly here's my other bitch about this this is an eight episode season and we really didn't get the four or the five characters together until episode four yeah that's Um, that's kind of a problem when the show is the defenders i understand you want to tell a story 
But if it's only going to be eight episodes long, these guys got to get together in like midway through season or episode two or early episode three. It would have helped probably. The, the pacing is like for the the last few seasons of the Netflix Marvel shows, pacing has been kind of an odd one just in general. Like um, with Iron Fist, pacing is I'm not even sure that that was a word that anybody knew on the set. Uh, no. With Luke Cage, pacing was kind of interesting there too. I enjoyed like, Luke Cage quite a bit. I but. did really like Luke Cage, although I will say I like the first half of the season way better than the second half of the season. Um, the, the, season a, that, the part of the season without Diamondback, I think, probably stands out to me. Right. It, it, there's a very clear... Was, was very much... It seemed like Diamondback was just kind of all of a sudden there. Yeah. Um, much like the Sigourney Weaver character in, yeah. in Defenders, like we're just all of a sudden supposed to take it as gospel that this guy is the be all end all yeah. of badasses. And so they've been doing that weird sort of split thing, like even Daredevil season two, which was good. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I This is actually the one that I'll give it to. I like Daredevil season two, but that also had a weird split. Like the first half was kind of the Punisher arc and then the second half was kind of the hand arc. Um, yeah. So anyway, for Defenders, I'll just say I, I don't think the hand was the right set of villains to go with. I do think that it's becoming a little bit apparent, especially when you put um, the other heroes, uh, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Jessica less so. Um, I actually I think Kristen Ritter is pretty good. Um, I like Jess Jones. quite a bit, actually, like just the fact that her character is unabashedly a drunk and yeah, but when doesn't you- doesn't give a shit about any of this stuff like the only reason she wanted to do what they did in the defenders was she's like i want to fucking go to the bar get drunk and go to sleep yeah like, i'm done with this yeah <laughs> but when you put when you put those actors against uh charlie cox i think that they, yeah. they all kind of suffer a little bit because it becomes apparent how much better of an actor charlie cox is dude i won't quite get so far as to say that they're bad but i will say that that, that a lot of the performances fell flat for me um it, uh, if you've ever acted or or studied acting or anything like that you know that hitting your marks is really important and one of the things that charlie cox has has done so much fucking better than anybody else has ever played daredevil um when he doesn't have his glasses on and and he's looking oh he he, yeah like he's actually blind yeah Yeah. like you can't tell he's not blind by looking at him like at least i can't you know what i mean like it's it's ridiculous and it's only gotten better i think um as far as that goes um and that's actually kind of my last gripe with this is um nobody really got developed in this season at all like we just talked about how some characters like in particular iron fist and colleen they regressed in their character development if anything um but none of the other characters jessica jones luke cage they didn't get developed at all um and that's sort of a sad thing because this uh the marvel series is so far i think are really character driven uh, de- character I, development stories and so that you had this entire season with the defenders and you didn't use that in any way like the jessica jones like just keeps being the same stereotype jessica jones i would from, argue that you know, she developed one season one I, I would argue that she developed a little bit only on the on, on out of the mere fact that like she's becoming a little bit more personable and it's definitely against her own judgment kind of a thing um, but she really does kind of have a lot of respect for Luke Cage, and I, th- I I thought their chemistry on screen was actually pretty good, especially the part at the end when spoilers when she was like, maybe we should get a coffee sometime. Yeah, <laughs> um, because that sets it up, and like the 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 best thing is 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 um as much as I love Rosario Dawson, Luke Cage, and Claire Temple do not remain an item in the comics. Like yeah. eventually, it is Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, and they even have a kid together and whatnot. So. Um, I, I think we're, we're kind of getting those two maybe geared up. And I don't even know if that's character development for Jessica, because I think that's just who she is. Like she's not incapable of love or friendship. Uh, she's just really fucking hard to get to. She's incapable. Yeah. But, but he is, he's getting to her. And I think the rest of the team kind of sort of did too toward the end. It's just, 
it would have been nice to see that a little bit. There was a, a minute between her and Fen Jones that was actually kind of like that. And that was um, during the final battle when she called him Ironclad. And he's like, it's Ironfish. She's like, I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was there was that. There was that little glimpse of it. But like, again, I, I do agree with your overall assessment. Like there wasn't a ton of like people moving forward with the exception of Matt Murdock again, who is already kind of the standard of the series. And yet his character is given this giant push by the series because now he's presumed dead spoilers. Um, but we see him wake up in a clinic, you know, yeah, I mean, wherever it's not spoilers. That's another thing. Like um, doing scenes like, like you got to go a different way with that because when you have this like climactic thing and you're trying to get me to believe that you're killing daredevil, like it, it's like trying to get me to believe you're going to kill iron man. Uh, maybe at this point I could almost see something like that happening. Uh, but like, it's trying to get me to believe that like at the uh, end of Avengers, like Iron Man was ever going to die. That's one of the weakest parts of that movie. And I'll give it to it because it's a different kind of film, but nobody thought for a fucking second they're killing Iron Man. Like that, that wasn't going to happen. That no. was never going to happen. And the same thing kind the of is, make is true 50 here. million dollars on that movie and, and have a like seven film contract to die in that particular movie. Yeah. And even, even without knowing the, the backstory, same thing here. I don't believe for a fucking well, second you're killing Matt Murdock. That's, that's like, the problem. Get, get your it's kind of like, it's kinda like WWE and how social media is so prevalent and and the media is so prevalent and everything like that. We do know that there's already a Daredevil Season 3 planned. And we knew that before Defenders dropped. So it's like... Yeah, but I'm saying even in kayfabe, like, um, which I guess we're playing now to the Netflix Marvel series, like, the, I, I just don't believe for a second that that's really what that what's going to happen to our heroes. It's not that type of show. We know Matt Murdock isn't coming out, of, uh, 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 isn't going to die. We, you know, there may be consequences for his character in the next season, uh, but we know he's going to be relatively safe, all things now, considered. So here's here's an interesting thing, and this might happen. This is kind of a prediction of mine, and it may happen, it may not. But Matt Murdock may remain dead. I almost wonder if he, when he comes back, because they did kind of do this in the comics for a while where Matt Murdock did die, but Daredevil was still oh, very much okay. a thing. Um, and you saw that kind of play out. And this is one of the things where his character actually did get some progression because Foggy mentioned it to him. Uh, Stick mentioned it to him. You know, no, like, like you can't be. This is things. where this is where your two personalities are colliding. And this is a bad thing for you. Yeah. And so he may leave Matt Murdock dead, but continue to be Daredevil. I can see that, actually. So, um Except for they haven't set up any way for him to pay the bills and make that happen, but I'm sure that they could do that in uh, you know an episode or less. Sure, okay. nobody wants his apartment anyway, so yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> so last question for defenders before we move on to uh, Game of Thrones. Um, do you th- how big a, a, of an effect do you think this has on the next seasons of all of their respective shows? Daredevil, no effect. It's going forward no matter what. Well, I mean, um, I mean, like the story-wise. Oh, you mean story-wise? Yeah. What ramifications? Well, I guess yeah, we already like, talked they're about. They're all going forward. We know Jessica Jones season two, Luke Cage, oh, Iron Fist. I can't wait for Jessica Jones season two. Actually, I'm really looking yeah. forward to it. But I mean, how much do you think it's going to be like a you know, say like for Matt Murdock? Um, it's got to take up a decent part of at least the first few episodes of Daredevil season two. Otherwise, what the fuck? Um, for Jessica Jones though, I I think it could get a mention mention or two. Like it could almost be like the way that they reference like um the events of Avengers in in the other when they talk about new york yeah it, it could almost be like that like it, it comes up but it's not really a big deal and they just move on um yeah um i don't know i don't know what effect it has on it i mean obviously uh we already know luke cage has a built-in villain for uh his second season because that one woman who took over after diamondback oh yeah for and sure whatnot so she's she's already kind of going to be the the nemesis there 
Um, we may actually see Jessica Jones and Luke Cage crossover in their respective second seasons as well, because I do think there's a relationship building there, and I don't think they're going to wait for a second season of Defenders to do that. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, Although, Luke and Claire are so cute. You know, yeah, but probably not. Yeah, not forever. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> um, Iron Fist? I don't know where you go with Iron Fist. I think the next season of Iron Fist is just him sitting around saying, and like everybody being like, "Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm the worst Iron Fist ever." Or do you uh, even Ken Lung got fucked? Uh, you you led the hand right to where they wanted to go. He's not a great Iron Fist. Like or, they got to figure that shit out because at this point, there's nothing redeeming about him. Here's my other comment. Here's my other comment on that because so <coughs> Green Lantern and Green Arrow, to like separately, didn't really sell a lot of comics through the 60s and 70s. But when they did Green Lantern featuring Green Arrow, like that book sold quite a bit. So I'm wondering if you even, like, you have a story for Luke Cage, but you don't have a story for Iron Fist. So why don't you just make it Luke Cage and Iron Fist, just like the fucking comic books? Yeah, at this point, I think that they may benefit from um Do it like a buddy cop series, and I think you got something. I do think that legitimately, especially with how Iron Fist season one went and how his interaction in Defenders went, I, I'm not sure he can support a show on his own. Like, uh, and don't get me wrong, there is that parallel universe in which Iron Fist is the best show we've ever it, seen, and uh, he could totally support it, eleven it shows on Finn his own. Jones, it's the way the character was was brought to life on screen. It's a little Finn Jones. Like I don't know, I think, I think it can't be. Like I'm, I'm just saying, like it's another thing that's even more apparent when like Charlie Cox and uh, Finn Jones have fight scenes. Charlie Cox, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not an idiot. I know that they both have stuntmen. I know that you know they're not doing nothing, but. I just buy you, you can tell when those things if you're paying attention you can tell when it's Charlie Cox and you can tell when it's a stuntman and vice versa with uh, Finn Jones well and you see you see Charlie Cox, Cox when he's laying so there better at the end when he was laying there and you could see like his arms like he's big for, I mean he's not a big guy no but the dude is kind of ripped he's cut he's not you know? he's not a big guy like you said but he's cut I don't so. think Finn Jones is probably in that good of shape I mean, he, I know he walks around without a shirt on. He's got the big tattoo, but I don't know that he's probably as as athletic as Charlie Cox is. I don't know. I just I think that if they've got to give, and I know how it's kind of freeing in a way because I know there's lore for Iron Fist. I know there's a lot of backstory. Yeah. But there's not any backstory that anybody fucking knows. If you about. do a sequel, um, if you do a second season of Iron Fist, you have to actually go back to Kunlun. Like that's that you have to. Because that's part of his character. I mean, they've got to deal with the ramifications of that because they, they um, you know, like so far all we've got is Kunlun has been destroyed and Iron Fist led the hand directly where they wanted to go. Um, so they've got to touch on that and they've got to find some way to build that in a meaningful way, which at this far they have this this point they haven't. Um, they've made Iron Fist sort of one of the characters with the coolest power sets that's the most annoying. Kudos, kudos to Defenders, by the way, for not including any of the rest of the cast from Iron Fist. Like when he went to, to Rand yeah they're like oh no he's not available yeah yeah he's he's he, he fucked off he's yeah <laughs> that, that was that was quite noticeable we need to talk to and they're like nah whatever uh yeah, he, yeah he's he's no you can talk to this lady who apparently fucking knows everything anyway so yeah we, we're not contractually obligated to provide an appearance for this dude in this ward, episode so. ward was his name yeah. yeah all right so defenders a short story six out of ten for me um i'm I think about that i may be even being a little bit generous there but overall it's watchable but it's it was a little bit of a letdown I definitely think it's watchable. There's a lot of good. There's there's for all the 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 nits we picked. There there's some good good things that, too that we. Oh yeah, there, there was on. some legitimate stuff where I laughed out loud at it, or yeah. I was like, oh oh that's gonna happen right now. I can't believe that, you know like the sad part is, again I don't mean to interrupt, but like the laughable parts like when one of the best one of the best things was like when they're like, is that pork? No, that's shrimp. And then like the other guy <laughs> walks in and is like, pork's over there. Yeah, and it's Matt and like 
you don't put that in the preview like that no. that you should have left absolutely for actually the, those who watch the show because it was brilliant but it was one of the only true brilliant moments you know okay you, you, you fucked it up because now i gotta keep talking about it um <laughs> The the thing is, is, I think that they were trying to do Avengers within the Marvel Netflix series, and that's one of the things that I think was n- didn't help. Yeah, they shouldn't have. They should have tried to do the Defenders, not Avengers. Yeah. So anyway, as much as the comedy parts I, I mostly liked, I do think that it was a little... Uh, the tone wasn't quite right. Yeah. No, I right. got you. So Game of Thrones. Um, I would like to talk to you about Game of Thrones. I just watched the Series 7 finale yesterday. Um. Is it seven? Yeah, seven. He's finale. Fucking English all of a sudden. Yeah, series. Um, we're saying series now. Um, I just watched. Well, everybody on the fucking show is English, so it counts. Um, I just watched season no. seven's finale. And we talked about this the other day. Except for Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, straight up from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about the thoughts that I have on that, but Matt's not caught up. The good news is, the good news is, uh, for those of you listening at home. Um, you no longer get totally blue balled and we can talk about game of thrones now because matt is midway through season four i am um and i'll which... probably be done with at least season six next time we sit down so yeah um yeah. I, i'm getting closer i'm getting closer so um we're only we're only a couple of scant weeks away i think before matt's sitting here with as, as much blue balls as the rest of us waiting for the next 18 goddamn months uh for season the the, the penultimate season to come out uh yeah so since we last talked there was a wedding and it was red oh uh one second everybody just please note right now we're probably going to spoil shit um if you're very sensitive to game of thrones spoilers please skip ahead in the podcast because this is probably going to be reasonably spoiler heavy yeah because uh, there's it's several years old right now so yeah it is several years old i know there's people out there who still haven't watched it and they're like oh i gotta watch it someday and uh, you know that's the other thing like you don't become a spoiler adverse until you start watching it and then you're like oh, i never want to know anything about this until i see it I, that's kind of the way i was too because it, yeah. it like i found out about the hodor thing and all that kind of stuff and which i'm still not too in the show yet but like now i'm watching it going kind of wish i didn't know yeah what, so you know. i i do i think it's a weird thing i i think that the spoiler culture has been a thing before game of thrones i think there's been people who legitimately don't want to know about things before game of thrones but i think one of the things that's interesting about game of thrones is spoilers has never been a more sacred duty like i saw this picture floating around of an it guy wearing a uh, basically a, a paper on a necklace that said um like yeah so if anybody spoils game of thrones for me i'm gonna fucking wreck your computers and you can't do anything about it um so don't fuck up and i am um, that it guy yeah so. <laughs> so that was probably matt today um well tomorrow because you don't work today um anyway uh suffice it to say i think that's kind of a funny thing that's sprung up around game of thrones is this spoiler adverse culture like i've never been so afraid of spoiling anything else as i am inadvertently mentioning you know what character was in season four episode three or something like that okay so here's the thing i'm really bad with names a lot of the time i'm I'm getting better with game of thrones names but there are some things that i'm gonna forget so obviously we know that if i'm referring to captain phasma i mean brienne <laughs> if at some point i make reference to dave mustaine what i really mean is bran <laughs> because with okay. that haircut he could totally sub for the lead singer of megadeth that's what he does actually he goes north of the wall joins megadeth um yeah. decides fuck the white walkers i'm gonna do do metal yeah uh, yeah um no so all things all things aside uh yeah no we're there was a red wedding there was a wedding that wasn't red um, and then there was another wedding that happened uh, where there was uh, purple Joffrey. And that's probably my favorite version of Joffrey. Yeah. So 
the, the, you know you know this you're making the show sound like uh say yes to the dress or something like that <laughs> <laughs> and they all picked out uh different floral arrangements and everything was fine dude we seriously had three weddings within like a half a season so I'm oh like, no we for sure did like there's four a, episodes there's, there's a lot of marriage going on in game yeah. of thrones so like uh you know the royal houses and everybody's you know super concerned about weddings and everything's arranged and blah 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 Littlefinger just wants a piece of well he wanted a piece of Catelyn, but she's dead now. So, dude, it's just Stark chicks, dude. Uh, like, he's just got a thing for Stark chicks. Yeah, like there's Catelyn, and and he's he's like all about that, and he's like, well, I can't get with her, so I guess I'm stuck with Lyanna for now. Uh, no, 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 that's the other. That's, that's Sansa. Sa- um, Sansa's who he's Lysa. I'm oh, I'm sorry, okay. I'm thinking of the 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 Lady of the Eyrie. Um, Lyanna, of course, being um Ed Stark's sister, who's you know totally dead. Uh, but um. You know, so he was like, oh, I'm stuck with Lysa, but at least I get power out of this, even though she's not hot at all, and her son's kind of a fucking crazy little loon boy. Um, you are that far, right? You've met the, the, the Lysa... I don't know that I have. In the Eerie? Don't think I've met anybody from the Eerie yet. Okay, so you'd know, because there's a... Especially the set pieces are fairly prominent. Um, big moon door. Yeah, uh, so no, because right now... Right now, um, Joffrey has died. Uh... Tyrion, Tyrion is in is in jail because he's the the lead suspect, and Littlefinger has just smuggled Sansa out, and they're on the boat, and that's the last time I've seen Littlefinger is he's talking to Sansa while they're on the boat. Okay, leaving. so you don't hit the Eyrie till probably either later this season or the next season. Yeah, so I'm not there yet. Um, the White Walkers, we've seen the White Walkers a few times now. Um, like I just like I told Eddie earlier, like um the way, um. The way the uh, season wrapped up was there was a baby placed on like an altar looking thing and then some much better dressed White Walkers showed up. Um, So that was interesting because the first time we saw the White Walkers or at least a whole herd of them or a gaggle, I think I think White Walkers are going to come in a gaggle. I think that's what I've decided. You're correct. Um, At the. Like b- b- before the White Walkers ha- hold a meeting, they're like, "Do do we have a gaggle? You know, like not yeah. a quorum, but a, a gaggle." Yeah. yeah, I think it's a gaggle. Uh, so the last time was kind of through Sam's eyes, um, where he saw them riding, and they looked pretty goddamn uh evil and shit. Uh, they were freaky to say the to say the least. And then like it turns out like there's another class of them that you get to that are actually more dressed like Pinhead from Hellraiser. Hmm. Yeah. Um, or the, 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 the bad guys from, um, what's that fucking movie with the, uh, the cuning, um, you just got nothing. God damn it. <laughs> um, you, you know, oh, it's a fucking great movie too. And they were fucking dressed just like them. Uh, God damn it. I'll think of it later. Okay. Um, it's a good podcast right there. Yeah yeah <laughs> half of our, pod- our podcast is just probably us trying to remember stuff into the microphone no i'm pissed off because it was a great movie and the, i like the name of it is like right on the tip of my tongue and i can't even think tell about me it. more about it uh dark city oh okay yeah that's what it is that dark is a great city. movie that's that's yeah i knew it was right there that's uh the underappreciated matrix like yeah, if no, that movie come out, like yeah 
Yeah, they, they they both came out in I think ninety yeah. nine. Uh, Matrix was definitely ninety nine. Dark City, I think Dark might City have even was ninety seven, ninety eight or ninety seven. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it it's it's tragedy that that movie didn't get more of a following than it did because it could have been that 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 uh, a decades. Matrix. I'm one of the few people that I know that saw it in the theater when it was out. I didn't so. see it in the theater. I saw it way after the fact, and I watched that, and I was like, I cannot fucking believe that this is a movie. I've never heard of this movie until right now. Yeah, no, it was it was it was fucking fantastic. But yeah. anyway, I digress. Um, so there, like I said, there's white walkers. Um, we, we know that's the thing now, uh, before we kind of just heard mention of them. And I think you, you meet them in season three, I think for the, the first official time, I think I watched a lot of it. So, so we only encounter, God, I have to go rewatch. Um, so up until now you've only encountered the whites uh, that that is the the basically the zombie creatures. I haven't seen the tree people yet. If that's what you're asking. No, 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 no. The, 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 the uh, you basically only hit zombies so far, like mindless uh, killing machines. Well, yeah, they just kind of march toward a specific destination and whatnot. Um, they're the ones that fetch the babies. They look like reanimated corpses versus yeah. the White Walkers have a very distinct look about them. Like they're very much their own thing. Yeah. Um, so this is the first time you meet White Walkers. That's in season three, I think. I think season three, because I think it's at the end of season three when Samwell actually kills one with the dragon glass. Ooh, yeah. Dope as shit. Samwell, best character ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I totally dig him. He's he's still trying to find his way, but uh, yeah, he's he's fun. Uh, Jon Snow has returned to the Black Castle, Castle Black. Yeah. Uh, not to a warm welcome. No. Uh, at all, because uh, yeah. what's-his-fuck hates him. Fucking Alistair Thorne. Yeah. I think is his name. I think, yeah. He's, he's, the, one that, he's the one that, that trains most of the guys anyway. Like the In fact, the episode that I watched, the last episode, uh, which was uh, season four, episode four, uh, Jon Snow was actually trying to train the recruits and like he comes out and he's like well you're a steward in case you forgot blah 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 you know and he's like yeah but I don't fight like a bitch yeah <laughs> and his advisor comes up to him he's like yeah you should probably actually just you know send him out to raid that that dude's place they got taken over because you know he, he might die yeah because <laughs> otherwise he's going to cause you trouble later and you're going to end up serving him because they're going to actually call for a vote and then he's probably going to end up leading us like that was which which is like the epitome of this entire show because it's like what can you do to make sure that no one revolts against you oh you just get rid of them like that's that's how you do it like half of more than half just about everybody in the show is kind of a self-serving cunt like people think the united states as a whole is is really divided you know as a people and whatnot but then you like watch this show and there's seven kingdoms and like there's really nobody that wants any one person on the iron throne like I don't even think that this is like particularly abnormal. I think the backstabbing links they're going to is is probably you know different for our time period. Like you know, usually you just you know piss in the coffee cup of your coworker you I hate so much. I think this is every day in the Senate. Yeah, but um, like they're a lot more subtle about it these days. I think generally speaking, yeah. maybe subtlety's gone out the window in this last year or so. But up until now, you know, subtlety was kind of a thing. Here they're just like, no, we're gonna fucking kill you. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not even sure. Like, that's one of the things I enjoy about Game of Thrones is that there is a little bit uh, too much realism to it. Like, there, there, it's not, it's an epic fantasy and it's not in some ways. Like, um, we're definitely, I think, in this season, and, and this is all I'll say about, you know, this last season seven, we're a little bit more into epic fantasy territory than we were into um, this last, you know, series so far, or the, as far as you are, for sure. Um, yeah. But that's one of the things that I think attracts people to the show is it's like, wow, everybody's a dick just kind of like in real life you know like 
everybody kind of sucks and they'll kind of all stab you in the back given the right opportunity just kind of like they would in real life um and and there are definitely parts in the show and in real life where you're like that doesn't even make sense why would somebody do that um but that that also adds to it you know so yeah um you know one of my big bitches you know when i first started was like i was like i I like dragons and i don't i don't fucking see any dragons um and obviously you don't see them in the first couple episodes like hang in there it takes a while um god damn no i'm even happy with the amount of dragon that i've gotten so far just because it's shown them like from hatching to like now they're bigger and whatnot one of them even snapped at danny you know and it's dude um it's one of those things too like uh so you know so for us um fantasy genre uh, um aficionados which is to say people with too much time is on their hand uh, who instead of having sex in high school read a lot of books uh this is what we call a um magic light series as in there's magic it exists um we've seen some of it already white walkers aren't a thing that exists in the real world for sure neither are dragons um, uh 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 what's her name fucking um melisandre melisandre yeah you know it, it, people it, don't it, just burst smoke monsters out of a vagina like that it doesn't, doesn't happen every day it doesn't happen every day um so game of thrones is a magic light series most of the action so far um especially in season four is not really relative to the magic elements of the thing um so when you do see something like that it's 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 that much bigger like when you do see the dragons i remember we, even like the first time i was like holy shit holy shit there are dragons in this fucking thing like they they referenced him and i was like i know this is a thing exists but when well, danny first you know the the, the and the, you got um, the eggs right and when the eggs like, crack when I, when I first saw the eggs though i was like are those really eggs though or are they just fucking stupid stones that like her people worship I, as eggs, i honestly you know? assumed that was like yeah. when it when i especially i think i read it first and i was like oh that she got the fucking dragon eggs way to go princess you got some shit that nobody cared about and uh it, it's you know meant almost as much as a mockery as it is like the thing nope. um <laughs> nope turns out dragon eggs uh yeah. so yeah w- when especially you know in the book and in the show when she's walking out of the fire with fucking I, dragons on her shoulder it's like dude, whoa holy shit uh, dude, this just changed you the know? end of that season was so fucking brilliant because like her brother made an ass out of himself in front of Khal Drago Khal Drago obviously like took all his jewelry and melted it down and poured fucking iron or gold right over the top of him and burned him to death um we've already seen Danny at this point like touch red hot dragon eggs that she put in a fire and suffer no damage to it and like she just looks at him and she goes he was no dragon like that oh, was yeah. that was so amazing like one of the best one of the best lines I've seen and so then when like the end of the season comes up and she's getting ready to burn um Call's body in the funeral pyre and she puts the eggs in there and then uh uh what's his name her knight who's Jora yeah Jora like he's like nobody wants to watch you die you know like don't don't do this like this isn't serving any any you know if you ever want to be the Khaleesi like don't sacrifice yourself you know that that kind of thing and like I'm like she didn't go die, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually a crazy scene thinking back on it because um Jorah is one of my favorite characters, by the way. Like he's so far like amazing. Like Jorah Jorah is he's another one of those characters that you hate, love, hate, love uh, throughout yeah. the series. Uh at this point I'm pretty firmly in the love sector. Um so anyway, Jorah's Jorah's got a great arc, I think. Um but yeah, that that first series season when um, you know, we end with uh Daenerys walking directly into the fire, I was like well, I mean, I don't think she's going to die, but what the fuck is the, you know, like the, the, the way that that all goes down is, is kind of amazing in itself. Um, because she could have gone on to be the Khaleesi. She could have gone on, you know, without that, but that she did that thing just solidified it even more Then everybody's, then there's a mystique and, you know, so, 
Well, uh, pretty now, amazing. Now she's marching around freeing slaves, which is also like it, it's like she's getting the thousands upon thousands of people like just flocking to yeah, her because it, she's it, it, she's a benevolent ruler at this. She's point. a benevolent ruler, but like that season one episode, um, the finale where she walks into the fire, it kind of gives you an idea of the massive, gigantic, huge brass balls that she carries around because um, she's not an idiot. Like she, I, I, I think she had an inkling. Like when she's there's a scene earlier when she's in the bath and they're like one of the other chicks is like getting into the bath and she's like oh i can't i can't you know this is way too how are you even you know in there um so she's um daenerys has an inkling i think of what she can do yeah as far as fire is concerned um and uh so she's not an idiot so when she walks into the things it's like uh one of those like well i think this might work we'll see uh so just huge massive brass balls you know walking into the fire like that uh and of course it turned out reasonably well, well for her. and you see that too when um when she first goes to the the the, the trainer um who trains the unsullied oh and yeah she's bargaining with him and he wants a dragon and like he's like i want your biggest dragon and she totally agrees i'm like this is not gonna end well <laughs> no. like this is not gonna end well and then like jorah of course is like trying to talk her out of it and she was like uh you're here to give me advice i didn't fucking ask you though yeah and don't question me like that was like boom like different side of her that than than you normally see um and it's because all of a sudden you realize that she like getting the throne is the end game but she's got a much bigger mission and her mission is to make sure that not only that she has the right people to get her to the throne but that like when she gets to the throne she's got enough people that understand that she's not an unjust ruler like no dude that's so um I can't spoil anything here, so I'm just going to say, like, even she has dimensions to her. Like, there will be points in the show where you're just like, well, that was kind of fucked up. Um, I I think that happens, though. Like, it kind of happened with, um, well, I can't even really say that. Can I just say that I really loved it when she got to that last city and they sent out their champion? <laughs> and uh, she picks what's-his-fuck, who had long hair before, but now all of a sudden has a beard and short hair. Dario. Dario, yeah. Yeah, that's because he's a different dude. Yeah, he's a different actor, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's not the same guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I loved it because he goes riding toward him with the joust and <laughs> throws the knife at the horse. Yeah. <laughs> he's like... <laughs> it, it, that, that was a cool scene, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Daenerys is... Daenerys is an interesting character because, well, a lot of reasons. Like thinking back to season one, she's so meek, she's so put upon. Like, um, dude, I knew she wasn't though. That's the thing. Is like no. I was watching that and I was listening. I, I was watching her listen to her brother, but like, Amelia Clark plays it so well. Like you can see like the gears turning as she's sitting there listening to this dude. Yeah, for and sure. And you know she's not buying what he's selling. Yeah, you do, and you know eventually there's going to be some sort of, like, you know she's growing as a character. Like, it, it, that's another interesting thing. Like, even in season one, you're like, even as you're watching her do all this shit that's horrible, um, or, you know, get handed all this shit that's horrible, um, you know she's going someplace. And so watching her character progression is pretty amazing, I think. Um, and, and especially because she's not... Um, you know, you watch her in season one, and she's basically just a whipping boy. And then as time goes by and, you know, you just mentioned the scene where it's just like, uh, so yeah, you're an advisor, but shut the fuck up when I tell you to yeah. like that. That's another sort of like, um, one of the, one of the big moments where it's like, yeah, but she's not a little bitch, you know, like, yeah. um, she's, she's got some stones, uh, so to, so to speak. And she totally uses her image to her advantage. Like she lets people assume that she's like a meek little girl. 
Oh, for and, sure. And and like the people that she's dealing with probably assume that her two advisors, which are uh, Jorah and uh, old dude, Barrison, Barrison, yeah, yeah, that you know they probably assume that they're really calling the shots and using her and whatnot. But nope, like. <laughs> There's a lot of moments in there where you have a character basically assume she's a figurehead and, and they get quickly disabused of that notion. It's that that's actually, you know, I know it's a cliche, but it's one of the more satisfying things that happens. My favorite part was when the slave trader like realizes that she speaks Valerian the whole time. Oh God, that was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Valerian. That's another thing. So we've got a couple Valerian steel swords now too. We've got two that, uh, that Taiwan had made one for the King, one for Jamie. Yeah, and we've got John Snow sword, which is also Valyrian steel. That would be Longclaw. Longclaw, which uh, the swords will, there that Tywin had somewhere in my yeah. office. The swords that Tywin had made were actually from ice. So ice is, of course, Ned Stark's sword, uh, which is fucking gigantic. He melted it down into two swords. Yep. One of which was Oathkeeper. Oathkeeper was Jamie's that he gave to Brienne, and I can't fucking remember the other one. Uh because it was named by a little bitch uh yeah fucking he would have called it something dicky uh i don't remember i'll let you google it yeah sure anyway um Um, go go ahead uh so we've got the we've got those Uh, can i ask you a question because maybe i'm maybe i'm not picking up subtext or anything like that but so castle black called Jon snow they call him lord snow is that supposed to be an insult because technically he's a bastard so he can't really be a lord it's totally an insult so it's like when um you get that one kid in class who's not being a douche about it but he knows everything and everybody else is like being a dick because he knows all the stuff yeah and so that's the same thing with john snow a little bit john I kind snow, of assumed but he's it's... the only like they call him lord snow because he's a bastard which is a low cast from where he's from Yeah, you're not highborn so you can't be a lord yeah, but he's fucking way above everybody else. Everybody there is like a murderer, rapist sort of like they're not sending their best. You know, they're just they're sending they're sending they're not sending people like you. They're sending murderers and rapists and well, you know. And um, Eddard Stark always treated him as though he was highborn. Like that that was kind of the thing is is that I'm getting from it. Even though Catelyn didn't didn't appreciate him being there because he was not her kid, but um, it kind of didn't seem. And you see that a couple times throughout with um. With Jon Snow and then the dude that's torturing Theon. Uh, Ramsey. Ramsey. Because he's definitely not treated like a bastard Snow. either. Yeah, he's yeah he's a Snow as well. He's a he's Bolton's kid, but... Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the times when you see, like, um, medieval type stuff, like, the bastards are not even acknowledged by their fathers most of the time. And in this particular universe, they are very much acknowledged. They just still don't have any kind of power so to speak politically or anything like that um yeah uh by the way it was widow's whale as in what 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 sort of douche your name when can we call this thing yeah i don't almost know you remember that from the show widow's whale yeah yeah so widow's whale was of course the sword given to joffrey Oathkeeper was given to jamie um Oathkeeper is actually the one that i'd focus on a little bit more because Oathkeeper, um being a sword given to jamie lannister who is probably one of the most famous people in the entire seven kingdoms for breaking their fucking oath by killing the king they were sworn to protect as member of the king's guard uh brilliant um, but he didn't name it so that's what's even more brilliant about it and here's the editing i was talking about this before before tonight too because um Jamie Lannister is a character that you are not meant to like. 
upon meeting. Um, and he's still not what I would technically like quantify as a good person. No. Yeah. But, but I don't know that I, there's many people. There's like two people in the entire series that I would say are quote unquote good people. Yeah. But so it's, it's funny. On your night in the house. Yeah. <laughs> On your night. Yeah. He's, he's good. Um, but uh, Jamie's character, like, and I mentioned this to uh, to Eddie earlier that um, Nikolaj Koster Waldau, I probably butchered that, but um, fucking brilliant. Like, the guy is so good. And his interactions with Brienne of Tarth are pretty amazing. And you're kind of seeing a new side to Jamie that I don't think Jamie even knew was there until very recently. Um, his sister has basically just said, hey, if I send you out to go find Sansa and kill her, will you do it? And he doesn't really answer, but what he does do is give his brand new Valyrian steel sword and a suit of armor to Brienne and say, go find Sansa and make sure nothing bad happens to her. Because I, I swore an oath that I would make sure that Catelyn's daughters were safe, so will you please do this? Gives her the sword, and he said, it doesn't have a name yet, what would you recommend? And she says, Oathkeeper, because that's, as far as Brienne knows... This is the only side of Jamie that she actually knows. She knows the legend of the Kingslayer. But upon meeting him, you know, several things happen. One, she gets left, you know, to a group of savages at, um, oh, what's the name of that fucking place? Uh, I want to say it starts with an H. Harrenhal? Harrenhal, yeah. She gets left at Harrenhal basically to be beaten and raped and thrown into a pit with a bear. Um, and Jamie realizes that they're not going to free her and goes back. He makes the the guard that's supposed to be escorting him back to King's Landing take him back to Harrenhal so he can rescue her from the bear and take her with him. Uh, which the Jamie Lannister of season one would not have done. Yeah. Um, Jamie's actually kind of one of those characters um, that's kind of really great in the show. So Jamie is a pariah in a lot of respects because he broke his oath he killed his king uh that's um fucking what's his fucking name it's not Aegon. Uh, the mad king yeah he killed the mad king um which is a move that's not controversial whatsoever he is entirely insane he was going to burn down king's landing rather than have it be taken right including all of its inhabitants um he deserved his death uh and jamie you know unilaterally made the right call um but he gets shit for it all the time because he was a member of the King's Guard and he was supposed to die and let everybody else die rather than, you know, break that oath. Um, so it's sort of one of those other poetic moments that the sword he's given is called Oathkeeper. And then, of course, him feeling not worthy of that gives it to Brienne uh, in keeping with an oath, which, you know, now at this point doesn't really make a lot of sense, except for Jamie's moral compass is actually kind of good. Yeah. Uh, except for the whole push branding, pushing Bran out a window. Yeah, he's... I would say unlawful good. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm really enjoying my time with, with Game of Thrones. Um, I do realize that within a matter of weeks, it's going to be over uh, for the next 18 months. And then when that season happens, it's the last season from what I understand. So um, in a few weeks, I will be caught up with the rest of you. We will actually talk probably at length about how the series has wrapped up yeah, up to we this will. point. Um, Eddie's been actually hitting himself in the balls with a hammer every week that we haven't been able to, to talk about Game of Thrones. So needless to say, he won't be having any more kids. Yeah, I went to the Ramsey Bolton School of se Keeping Secrets. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think you cut it off, but... No, no. Uh, That's a little too far. 
I do um, think we need more beer, though. And then we're going to talk a lot about the DCEU. Fun. Yeah. We'll be right back. Uh, so we're back. We're going to talk about DC. Uh, we're going to open it up. Wonder Woman actually passed the original Spider-Man's gross at the box office, becoming the number one superhero origin film. It's particularly impressive to me because if you think about origin films over the last 10 or 15 years, um, Spider-Man probably wouldn't be the top you'd think of. Not even 10 or 15 years. You go all the way back to Superman even. Yeah, we're, we're talking like, um, so Spider-Man um, was 2000? Something. Yeah. It was early. So 17 years, um, essentially, of, of filmography before Wonder Woman finally beat it. That means Iron Man didn't do it. That means The Dark Knight didn't do it. That means, uh, um, and when I say Dark Knight, I mean Batman Begins. That means anything Man of Steel. Um, so anyway, Wonder Woman passed original Spider-Man's gross. I thought that was notable. Because, again, we're living in a different time. If you were still one of those people who say a um, female superhero can't make money at the box office, we can't do a Black Widow movie, go fuck yourself. This is absolutely not in the show notes either, but I I am going to call James Cameron out on the carpet about his comments that he's made recently about how uh, Wonder Woman was actually a regression uh, to feminism and just tell him that what he's not right. How? How? Like I'd like to read his argument because he's not a stupid guy. He didn't but... make a good argument. That's that's the thing. Like he absolutely didn't make a good argument at all. And um, I don't have any of the quotes, but I will find I will find a, a link and and throw so it like in. But Devil's Advocate. Um, I'm not even sure where to go. Devil's Advocate was Patty, like... Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins just kind of came out and was like, "Here's the deal. I fully understand why you don't understand why this was good for for feminism because you're not a woman." <laughs> You know, like, so. yeah, and I, I guess I could make some pithy argument about how, like, um, we're using the same tropes and archetypes that have been uh, done in male movies and blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't even hold up to me no, because it's like, no, you, you made a good movie. Uh, it's helmed by a female. That's um, that's the most. Here's here's what people don't understand. There has been good movies made with female leads like that is not in question. This is this is very much akin to like uh uh, Alicia Silverstone's comments that she made that were absolutely borderline retarded. Um, yeah, you can do that, but what's what's the crowning achievement is that this was not only, you know, spearheaded by by a great female lead and Gal Gadot, who's amazing uh, in her own right, um, and has taken a lot of flack actually because her boobs aren't that big to play Wonder Woman. I might even have made some kind of shitty chauvinistic remark about that when they first cast her and whatnot. But well, like when the caster, I think we both said essentially like she's not big enough. She um, doesn't look like Wonder Woman to us. But now to that me, I it watched wasn't her, like her tits, like it was just like um, she needed to be like a bigger, more imposing, you know. Woman. Yeah. But like um, I watch her now and I'm just like, no, out. that's fucking Wonder Woman. Yeah. You like know? the thing like, is, there's no doubt about it to me. It, it you know, um, it is sort of shallow to say that we do that about everything though. Like again, we talked about this before. It's not just Wonder Woman. We said that about like when we saw Leto's Joker, we were like, well, that looks stupid. Um, and we and weren't wrong. <laughs> we weren't wrong. <laughs> so there, there's cases where that applies. And, but in this case, I'm happy to have been wrong about that. Like, sure. um, I, I still, you know, if, if she was, you know, 20 pounds, you know, musclier, that wouldn't have been, I wouldn't mind that would, that would have been probably more true to the comic book canon. But, um, we're not living in the comic book canon, and a lot of the heroes that we see on the, TV, yeah, aren't these people, the comic book superheroes, these are live action movies, and so like when we're casting these people, like they have to be played by real life people. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, the, we the, can't all be six foot three like Brienne of Tarth. 
Yeah. <laughs> is she really? Yeah, she's six three. Dude. Yeah. I'm six two. That's 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 awesome. Yeah. Like I kind of got a little uh, Tormund boner for her. Um, yeah. That's that's coming up anyway. Um. So yeah, Wonder Woman number one at the box office as far as superhero origin stories go. Uh, and, and deserve Jim Cameron, I think. Jim Cameron, I know you listen to the show. Uh, you're you're just not right, dude. You're wrong. Yeah. See, here's the thing. I, I the way that I fall on this a lot of the times is um. I'm willing to like. There's not ever going to be a perfect thing when you're talking about a movement like feminism or whatever. Sure. And there are several people like on the feminist side, especially when I think of like Gamergate sort of bullshit. Sure. Um, there's several people on the 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 feminism side that I'm like, oh, I don't really 100% agree with you. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but you're going the right place and it's not like there are any real victims here. Like you're going the right direction. It's nobody's dying. Nobody's really losing their livelihood. So even though that you're, you're not a hundred percent correct, I'm willing to go along with it. And so wonder woman kind of falls in that boat a little, just a tiny, tiny little bit. Could they have done a better, more feminist movie? Mm, yeah, probably. Um, but I don't think the intent was but to it make a feminist like... movie either. I think the intent was just to make a really, really good movie, which they did. And, it was done Exa- well yeah that's the thing it though. was done with an amazing female lead and a fucking amazing goddamn female director like see that's- but that that's the thing for me too like it's like well yeah um maybe you didn't nail every single little piece and it wasn't type entirely perfect but the thing is you progressed the movement who, here who do you think made more money in that movie chris pine or gal gadot uh, I'd say Chris Pine for sure. So that's that's my point exactly. See, like, you like, know what I mean? And that's uh, now I'd argue this one a little bit too because the thing about Gal Gadot is that prior to this movie, she was a no no. She was not a nobody, but Fast and Furious a nobody. is mostly what she was known for. And yeah, and I get whereas that. Whereas Chris Pine had done some you know pretty big films, and I and I and I, and I get that to to some extent. But like she's also the lead of the goddamn movie. Like oh yeah, if you yeah, have that com- sure. that much confidence and you've already seen her in, in Batman versus Superman and whatnot, then like. I, I still think the wage gap is unfair in that in that particular situation. So I don't know. I'd have to normalize it against other, you know, like this, you know, it sounds unfair on the surface. I'd want to see that compared to other films. Um, but that's another thing where it's like, you know what? I'm not going to argue that one too hard because it's probably right. Like um, we know that this is a thing that exists. We know that female females are, uh, you know, women are more likely to be paid less for films. Um we know that's the thing that happens. If, so. if she doesn't make every bit as much as the male lead in Wonder Woman two, then that will be oh, God. That, that will like, speak volumes about if, what's if, wrong. With, if Wonder with Woman didn't come out and Justice League's contract didn't get immediately renegotiated, like I think her agent fucked up. Like, yeah, there the, the, at this point she's carrying Justice League. Uh, unequivocally she's she's the only bright shining star in a fucking sea of blackness in the dceu right now so that's yeah she's she is undeniably this universe is robert downey jr except for the fact that um she's never gone to prison on drug charges well yeah in that universe (laughs) in the marvel universe robert downey jr was a just a diamond in a sea of you know emeralds or something like that like it there wasn't any uh um you know just just bullshit that nobody cared about and that's not true for the dceu so far in the dceu wonder woman's absolutely carrying the load uh so yeah i really hope that she renegotiates for justice league and she takes a big fucking cut of that thing yeah. like um honestly give she, her some back in yeah you know that's that's my thing is like she, if you don't want to fucking be transparent be like oh yeah we'll give you 25 million to do this movie give her give her a piece of the box office at the back well, see, end. that's the thing too like if you get a back-end deal at this point most of the time it's either something that nobody thinks is really gonna succeed or 
everybody thinks it's going to succeed and you're worth paying that. Or um, you won't do it without the back end deal like Downey Jr. did with, you know, the rest of the, the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Like, so, um, he made like $50 million off the Avengers. Like, I, I, I don't think that it's, uh, wrong to th- say that, uh, she probably deserves more of the cut than Affleck does. Um, and Affleck's definitely, without a doubt, the biggest actor outside uh, or in the DCEU right now. Um, I mean, but, if you're talking about somebody who's going to actually bring asses to seats, you're probably right. Yeah, probably. Because people aren't going to see the next Justice League movie because of Ben Affleck at this point. They're going to see it because they're like, oh, Wonder Woman's in that. And that was a great fucking movie. Like, Yeah. And well, people, for the most part, like Cavill, I mean, too, as, as Superman, Affleck, I think, but... Affleck and Cavill will put asses in seats, I think. Um, but I think that, you know, I'm more excited. Like, for me, especially as a nerd, the thing I'm most excited about Justice League so far is seeing uh, Wonder Woman. You can actually even see this from the trailers, because when the early cuts of the trailers, Wonder Woman plays a bit part, practically. And then the recuts, it's like half half the trailer is Wonder Woman, because it's like, oh, yeah, we finally got something that we can hang on to. So, yeah, um, yeah she deserves a pretty hefty cut. Um, anyway, I think that's a good point. We can talk about Ben Affleck. Um, uh, that's a rough segue. Sorry, guys. This, uh, is, this has been a, a fucking crazy week in the Affleck Batverse. It, every week is a crazy week in the Affleck Batverse. This more so than others, though. In this headline is fantastic. We talked about it at the top of the show, and I read verbatim: Ben Affleck is still Batman, but not the Batman. And the Batman isn't part of the DCEU, but it is part of the DCEU. Additionally, Jared Leto will be the Joker in a new movie, along with Margot Robbie. But he's not the Joker in the upcoming Joker movie. What the fuck just happened? Yeah. Um, I can't shed any light on this one. I got nothing. Matt Reeves came out and uh, tweeted about the Batman and basically said, um, it's not part of the DCU. It's going to be an earlier story as told, you know, from a different perspective with a different actor. Like that was in his, his tweet. Um, so at this point, it looks like Affleck is out of the Batman. And then he corrected himself but not a part, not about the part with the different actor. He corrected himself about the part where it's not part of the DCU and said that it is technically part of the DCU, but it's it's going to be earlier than the other stuff that we've seen, and it's not going to have an ensemble cast. Like it's it's going to be a a Batman story solely focused on Batman. Okay, I can believe that. The part I'm having a problem with is no Affleck in it, um, because man, this went from. Ben Affleck is going to direct the Batman. He's going to write the Batman and he's going to star in the Batman to now Batman is going to be written by Ben Affleck and starring Ben Affleck, but he stepped aside and is going to let somebody else direct it. Cause it's a big load to now we've brought in Matt Reeves and Affleck is just not even in the picture. Cause they're going to rewrite the script and this, it, this it, is insanity. Crazy. This is insanity. So uh, number one, um, I don't think Ben Affleck is quite the prima donna that it's like um you just can't work with him like uh, you know that's no. one of the backstories between um why ben we don't get, loves Batman why we got a Mark Ruffalo Hulk instead of a Ed Norton Hulk because uh um the the rumor is of course Ed Norton was way too hard to work with and, and he, he clashed just, with the producers which the the producer that he had the most conflict with was Avi Arad and Avi Arad hasn't even been around. Yeah. Since like Iron Man 2. So that's even funnier that they're just like, eh, I'm going to go a different direction. Yeah. So um, I don't think that's Ben Affleck. Uh, number two, he loves this character. Um, we've we've got record of that. And he loves playing this character. Ben as Affleck as has know. a son. You know, 
that's that's my thing is like if i'm ben and i got a kid like a son i've got daughters you know but like if i'm affleck and i got the opportunity to play a character that i grew up loving and that my kids fucking love and whatnot like i'm gonna do whatever i have to do to make sure that i'm putting the cape and cowl on when it's time to call action like that's that's me and i think that's ben too so i mean so i mean there's a lot of things to unpack about here uh the the yeah, i don't know just what is dc doing like th- this this is another like bright shining star in batman versus superman uh, none of the things that were really criticized were affleck's portrayal everybody loved affleck's as batman how did they fuck that up a small percentage of people didn't like him but a small percentage you know what i mean um and it wasn't so much his portrayal it was not, it, it, like the 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 flack that i've heard most about is like oh well batman doesn't use guns you know that's that's the biggest bitch I've heard about the whole even thing. Really use guns. I mean, the there was a little bit of a death toll probably in BVS, but I mean, yeah, people died. People could rightly argue that Batman doesn't kill, uh, and he totally did. So yeah, but but that's small potatoes, especially when you when you consider what this character's arc is. And so, for this movie to have gone with like Ben is absolutely doing everything with this movie to now Ben has zero involvement with this movie whatsoever. Something's going on, and. My biggest suspicion is that Warner Brothers is probably what's going on because you don't bring Jeff Johns in and have shit like this happen, like which which tells me that Jeff Johns is getting overruled by executives somewhere, uh, which is too bad because Jeff Johns actually probably knows more about what to do when creating uh, a superhero story than fucking anybody else that i can think of they just they gotta figure it out because um at this point there's too many cooks in the kitchen it feels very much like that it feels like they do not have a cohesive universe planned in any way and uh it it bleeds through in all of the rumors that we're seeing this this totally reeks of when aol time warner bought out turner and wcw fucking died within a few years of that because they had a product that was absolutely dominating in the competition and all of a sudden like three years later it's dead done sold to their biggest competitor ever uh, because the people that bought it out didn't fucking know how to manage it. They don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, we, we definitely have that situation going on here too. W, WB uh, does not know what to do with their DC properties. They desperately need somebody like a Marvel to step in and handle it for them. And that's probably the best thing that could happen to him. Obviously for reasons it won't happen that way. WB didn't want to market Batman mask of the phantasm when it was a theatrical release. And it fucking killed compared to a lot of other stuff that WB has ever done. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's just really fucking stupid, simple, shitty decisions like that 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 make an entire fucking universe Suck. crumble. Yeah, you know, um, the Joker piece of it. Like, apparently they're doing a Joker and Harley Quinn movie, which will be Margot Robbie and Jared Leto, but Scorsese is producing a Joker origin movie, which is not going to be Jared Leto. And here's the I other mean, piece. Thank you, but nobody fucking wants a Joker, a Joker origin movie. Nobody wants it because we don't want an ironclad. This is who the Joker is. Like part of why the Joker is such a great fucking character is that we don't actually know. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like we don't fucking want it. When they put it in the '89 Batman movie with Keaton, like that was the worst part of that. Is like I don't want to fucking know who the Joker is. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know. Um. The other piece of this is that DC is apparently launching a new line of films that are going to be based on DC properties that are not going to be part of the DCEU. Um, I think they're probably doing it wrong if they don't call it the Elseworlds, El- Elseworlds line. That would be what I would call it. Um, yeah. 
I mean, they, they need to do something. Like, I'm okay with them telling different stories outside of the main universe. It is a little bit weird, I get, given the cinematic properties. It is a little bit strange. I would be more um, okay with it if the current phase of the DCEU was a little bit more solid and, and had some footing. Yeah, like, uh, that's the thing about Elseworlds. Like, um, especially when you're talking about a, a property like this, if, you know, things were going okay in the DCEU and they were like, oh, yeah, we can branch out. You know, we got the room to grow here. But that's the thing. They don't. They, they, they're they not. Their main properties aren't doing well enough that they should really be doing anything other than focusing on how to make those main properties successful. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Maybe they're doing a soft reboot. Maybe they're like, oh, well, if this thing goes right, then we'll focus on that fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, you know who's not upset about Batman and Affleck? Kevin Conroy. It's it, That's exactly correct. Kevin Conroy. Um, we got a link in here. Kevin Conroy talks about Batman and Harley Quinn, and, which is, of course, the latest DCEU animated movie. Um, and I haven't watched it. It's there. I have it on my computer, but I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to flash back to two episodes ago when we played the um, Conroy does Christian Bale's lines. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? That dude that was doing the Jim Gordon lines, you know who that is? Hmm. That's Wacko Warner. He's from the Animaniacs. That's who he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rob Paulson, I think, is his name. He does a podcast of his own where he does nothing but bring voice actors on, and that's what that was. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. I bet that could be really interesting, too. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to download it and, and, and check it out because it's it's pretty fucking amazing. You know, it's like when they had uh, Tara Strong on, what's that fucking show? Fat Man on Batman. Yeah. That was a really good episode just yeah. because you get to hear all those disparate characters in the same context. I imagine that that, that, that podcast would be just like nothing Dude, about that. Not to name drop other podcasts, but Babylon played... Um, yeah, uh, we've never talked about Babylon. Babylon show. played a few lines from the actual Christian Bale version mm-hmm. of it and then played the Conroy one. Conroy's so much better. <laughs> I know. Like, I know. Like, <laughs> and then I could be that man. You know, like it's, <laughs> what, what? <laughs> uh, I know Con- Conroy's voice. Like we've, we've, we're well on record at this point. Conroy's voice is the Batman is Batman's voice. Yeah. Just period. Yeah. Um, I, anyway, Conroy's behind, uh, I uh, fantasize Affleck. sometimes that my voice just sounds like Conroy. Dude. Yeah, no, I'm probably going to too. I wish it did. I yeah. know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. I, I sound exactly like who I am, which is kind of sad because if I sounded like Batman, it'd be a lot cooler. I could I could just be like, Harley, stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know my voice makes your panties wet. <laughs> okay, Mr. Jet. I mean, Batman. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, uh, what else we got in the DC section? Uh, we got Jeff Johns trolling people on twitter well of course why not um this one this one i mean i don't know if i would necessarily call it trolling it was it was kind of mild and whatnot but um he um he was talking to um james gunn on twitter he said misinformation on the internet impossible when they were talking (laughs) about you know what happened with the batman rumors and stuff and James Gunn said, I'm so happy with the choices you're making over there as well. Excited for you. Uh, now is the part where we punch each other. He goes, now is this the part where we punch each other? And Jeff John said, those are fighting words. <laughs> um, and then uh, James Gunn also went on to say that he understood what Matt Reeves was trying to say about the DCEU and that um, he's faced the same misunderstandings before. So it was really that was about all it all it was. 
Yeah. Um, just it's it, a good it's a good link. It's funny. It, it was some fun in the midst of all the other shit that's kind of happened in the DCEU this last couple of weeks. So Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. You're done working now. I'll I'll just try not to. Um. <laughs> new Thor footage. I didn't watch this. Um. There's not a ton here except for it does show more of the Coliseum fight between Thor and and Hulk. That's so, okay, really so the biggest the biggest piece here. I'm probably not going to watch this in because I want to see that on the screen for the first it, time. It doesn't ruin it. It's it's maybe like a half a second. Okay. You know, it's it's actually somebody that, it's a small video that somebody had actually posted one of the producers on their on their Twitter. So it's not a it's not a big reveal or anything. Gotcha. Uh next up, Evangeline Lilly shares a new look at the Wasp in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I uh, know I actually haven't looked at this, so I probably should. Well, uh, spoilers evangeline lily is and remains super super hot actually i think she's hotter than she was in the first movie i didn't really care for her look in the first movie the the, the uh, wig or whatever that was with the bangs i didn't dig it just, she, she she's always she's always hot like that's the thing for me there's no bad look for evangeline lily this is good though i like this if she came out with a mullet i'd still be like oh yeah nice. i mean that's kind of what bangs are right like girls can get away with it and say oh I just have bangs like dudes do it and they're like oh all business up front, part of the back, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, double standards. Man, men really have it hard. Yeah. That fucking... People just have it all wrong with the white privilege, huh? Yeah. yeah. I've decided that if I become a, a professional wrestler, that's going to be my finishing move. White privilege? Yep. <laughs> it won't even be a move. I'm just, just going to throw out. money down and like the dude's going to lay down. Yeah, either that or you just walk out and you like renegotiate their contract. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's no stick with it. I think that's a good move. Um, we got some other stuff. Um, Ed Scrain no longer in Hellboy. Yeah, this is kind of a big, a big shock, sort of, kind of. Um, there was a big uproar because Ed Screen is totally a white boy. Um, got cast to play a character that is traditionally a mixed Asian, uh, race character. There's been a lot of backlash for that over the last week, or two, three days, really, not even a week. It's surprising because, number one, I wonder if um, anybody uh, – okay, so this is going to sound mighty cynical, but I wonder if there's actually this many Hellboy fans who are that upset about this or this is just like the SGW group. That said, I don't disagree with it. Like, I do want to see like when there's like when there's an opportunity to have a um, person of color or some sort of diverse, you know uh, – um, casting choices let's have it yeah i just did um, that yeah by the way. nice uh <laughs> but on the other hand it's like hey, who really cares about hellboy this much i like the movie but whatever um i get it and i think it's probably one of those situations where like this has been talked about ad nauseum and then it still happens and so yeah um, I, I think actually ed crane took a pretty classy approach to this he i mean he released the thing that basically said um so yeah uh we you know it, it, it's a mixed race and Asian I'm a, character. I don't want to clearly not. I don't want to take this away from him, but I hope this was actually him saying, you know what? This isn't the right move. So I'm going to step away. Yeah. Um, and, and I hope it wasn't the, <coughs> excuse me. I hope it wasn't the studio going, uh, yeah, we're not going to be able to actually. Yeah. It turns out we this. fucked up. We fucked up. We fucked up a lot. Uh, um, so you, you need to back out. Quickly, yeah. Just, just quickly. go ahead and, and, and throw it out on your Twitter that, you know, just, yeah, you're you leaving. Just, if you just really quickly. Yeah. You could look like a big guy here. Um, yeah. You know, so no, Ed Screen looks pretty good on this. Um, I hope this is the case as well. Um, I'm pretty cynical about a lot of stuff like this, so it wouldn't surprise me if it's not. But um, on the other hand, I think that it's it's we're well past the time that we need to have this kerfuffle to begin with because it shouldn't exist. Because if you're talking about casting a mixed race Asian character when that's a woefully unrepresented, uh, um, 
uh, genre we, dynamic. We saw it in Doctor Strange with Tilda Swinton. Um, yeah. You know, portraying the ancient one as opposed to an elderly Asian man. Yep. Uh, and I think this might be the last straw for, for some fans, and that might be where this backlash is coming from. Well, I think people are finally like, you know, we, we just kind of need to do the right thing here, and that's, you know... Um, <laughs> It'd be like if, if, if they cast a white dude to play Spawn and the, the Spawn reboot. Yeah, just... Yeah, clearly, there's very few diverse roles in comic books in in the genre in general, and so you know, recasting them as white dudes is not a great look. Uh, it's just not something that should be done. So I like Ed Scranton's response here, which is essentially along the lines of like, "Hey, uh, didn't think there was going to be uh, this much uh, backlash about it. Turns out there is. I can see this is important to a lot of people. I'm stepping away because." Uh, um, I think that's the right thing to do. So, and good and on you. You kind of got to look at the casting director when you're like, okay, so there's like two Asian people in the entire fucking Dark Horse catalog. So, why is this being cast with a white person? You know what I mean? Yeah, for um, sure. My thing is not about in. And my thing is, is it's not about race for me. It's more about being like, what is, what is being true to the story that we have grown up reading or whatnot, and that is. You, you kind of want to stick with what's on the material. Like, um, we're kind of at a, at a point now where comic books are not all white, you know, 30-something men. Yeah. And we we need to portray them like that. Like, if it's if it's uh, somebody of, a, of another race, then just cast them like that. If it's... I, I really look forward to, but I don't expect to see the day when we get either a Miles Morales Spidey on the screen or a Kamala Khan Captain... Uh, um, Marvel. I I could see us seeing getting Kamala Khan in the next few years, maybe not few, but like in the next ten fifteen. It's possible. I think that one's more likely to happen just because people don't have an, as much established backstory uh, as they do with Peter Parker. Dude, I don't know. We got we got the groundwork for Miles if we if we need to. I mean, I just hope Miles is some Genki. little white kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um. Okay, uh, another last potpourri link, and then we're going to close out with some music talk. Um, I stuck this in here because this is just pure usefulness. Um, Somebody on Reddit the other day posted in the PC Gaming subreddit a list of fantastically useful Windows software. Um, I use a lot of these things myself. I have got a lot of these things on my list of things to try. Um, There's just a ton of, ton of, ton of programs and utilities in here that are super, super helpful if you're running Windows at all. Um, You know, like one of the things on the top of my list to try is uh, a little program called Everything, which is a replacement for Windows Search, which especially in Windows 10 is fucking garbage. Uh, Like, I don't know if you're. It depends on if you have Cortana enabled, because if you have Cortana enabled, it's actually pretty intuitive, but. No, like if you don't e- then... with either way for me, it, it's just straight up fucking garbage. Like I know a file exists in my system. I know that in Mac OS, I could find it. No problem. Uh, and when I tried doing it in windows search, it just fucking fails every time. Hey, I'm just going to say that 94% of Reddit users upvoted this link. So, you know, it's good. Yeah. Reddit users, classy people. You can, you can, you can stay with them anyway. Um, the other 6% probably spend most of their time trolling on 4chan. So yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, there's a there's a lot of good software on this list. There's a lot of things that, um, if you're especially if you're looking to solve this particular type of problem, there's a lot of things in there that are really really good solutions to the things you're talking about. So, um, I, I just I stuck this link in there. I'd encourage you to check it out because there's probably there's something in there in that will really really help you in your day to day Windows usage. Um, and then you know the alternative is just don't. 
Um, if, if like for, for me, a lot of the times the solution for me is like, well, I don't want to maintain anything else. So whatever, I'll just deal with the problems that windows gives me. But like search is one of those ones where it's just like, I'm so happy to see that there's some solutions to this because, um, search in windows for me is functionally useless. The only thing that I ever use it for is launching programs from the start menu. And even then it's only half accurate. Like even then, even when I have a very small subset of programs listed in my start setting or start menu. I can't always even find those. So I don't know what the fuck they did in Windows search because like it was actually literally better in Vista. Like I literally prefer Vista search to this. I'm going to argue 7-Zip. If, if, if I have a choice between 7-Zip and WinRAR, I'll take WinRAR every day of the week. But Well, I mean, uh, everybody would, but the thing is WinRAR is technically not free. Um, what do you mean it's technically not free? Like I mean, you, you install it and, you and just, you it's just like, keep click, clicking, like keep evaluating, but technically it's not free. You're supposed to pay for it. <laughs> that's it that that's the thing is like it doesn't even ask that anymore it's just like well it it knows it's been it's been six years we're not getting any money from this fucking guy yeah it knows um the other thing too is for screen caps and stuff like that actually the best tool for it is actually already built into windows and that's the snipping tool because snipping tool is so goddamn versatile and it learns so like its default is to save as png but like the first couple times you save as jpeg it just automatically defaults to jpeg and you don't have to change that so snipping tool is fine for me this is one of those things where it wouldn't bother because snipping tool does pretty much everything that i wanted to do it's a screen cap tool yeah i mean all i want to be able to do is capture specific windows or um, specific areas of the screen and uh, snipping tool does that just fine snipping tool gives you three options you can do an entire screen cap you can do uh, a window capture or you can do a rectangular capture so i think you can even do you can draw yeah you can draw too so there's four options so you can do a draw so anyway that's all i need in a screen screen cap tool um you even get some pen and and some highlight effects there's never been a situation i can come up with with i had a screen cap tool um that i needed something other than those four options so snipping tool has been included since windows 7 by the way guys so if you're still doing like control print screen to do a screen cap you're and then pasting it it into paint yeah yeah um, so yeah, use the snipping tool. It's pretty Ooh, good. Paint's being phased out. I don't know if you knew that. Oh really? The next Windows, the next Windows 10 update, no more paint. What the fuck are they gonna do instead? Like, there's no reason for them. There's to no reason out. to have paint. That's well, there's the no reason to not have it though. Like, well, it's just one of those things you expect to be there. It's just shitty. So they're getting rid of it. Well, I mean, because they I haven't updated it since Windows 95. So everybody likes bitmaps though, and they have, they have, they have. Um, with Windows 10, uh, they upgrade, they updated paint, and it's at least a Windows 10. Like when you open it, it looks like Windows 10. I don't know. I haven't used it in like 10 years. So I mean, the only thing I ever used it before before was for the snipping tool. Um, when I Before I knew about that, I, I just I threw stuff into paint. Yeah. Print screen like an animal, put into paint, save it as a PNG. I remember I was really excited when they were like, they finally supported PNG. Yeah. No. Paint's, paint's going away. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> okay. So, so anyway, anyway, there's a ton of useful software in here, uh, a ton of pieces of useful software in here, most of which are free. Um, you can go download them and they're on your computer and you can use them and, and be enjoyed by them. Um, there's a lot of useful shit in there too, especially if like you're a, a gamer, if you want to know exactly how hot your fans are running or what your GPU is doing or what the exact you know model and chipset is, and you don't feel like going and digging in your garage for boxes and shit like that, there's a ton of useful utilities and stuff like that in there for that. Um, but I will, just everything, I everything that's useful in Windows. Give is you much gamers there. a good piece of advice though. If your video card is worth its salt, then there's probably utility that comes along with your video card that can tell you all that information as well. Anyway, good good list of stuff. There's tons and tons of uh, things in the original post, and there's tons and tons of more good stuff in the comment section. So check that list out. Reddit finally making itself useful.
Cam, we're back. We're going to close out the show with a little music discussion. Um, we are. So, you know, previously on the show, Matt's challenged me to listen to some things that he likes. Uh, last one, I think, was Avenged Sevenfold. Uh, we talked about Metallica. Uh, yeah. Not that Metallica is a hard sell for me or anything like that. Um, today, though, uh, rather yesterday. He, he didn't really challenge me to this. He just threw it in the show notes. And, like, I, the good co-host that I am, I was like, I should probably listen to this so I'm a little bit more knowledgeable. Hey, I did text you yesterday and say, hey, are you a fan of Queens at all? And you were like, ah, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Queens of the Stone Age, one of my probably favorite bands ever at this point. Um, I've been a big fan, not since the beginning for sure. This, I, that's like 1997. Can I tell you something? Yeah. So, to preface this, I want to tell you that I listened to Songs for the Deaf and this back to back. Yeah. Um, just because not even close to the same just because that's the most uh renowned album that i'm i'm familiar with i i mean they were around before songs with death because that was 2002 and they were kind of doing their thing for five years before that yeah um but it is their commercial breakthrough um and also dave Grohl on drums as well as backing vocals and so i was like well this is probably a good place to start yeah i didn't really like it that much i think it's probably really overrated this album or songs Songs for the Deaf. I think it's super overrated, like compared to other stuff that was around at the time. Um, not to say that they're bad. I just <laughs> so Matt did preface this by by telling me, you know, before the show started that when we get to the Queen's portion, I might want to murder him. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of shit that didn't be that didn't need to be there. Like, um, uh, what's the lead singer's name? Uh, Hummy. Uh, Josh Hum. Josh Hum. Yeah. So he's a lot more talented than what Songs for the Deaf actually presents. Um, Dave Grohl is also much more talented than what that album presents. And so I'm like, there's a lot of talent on this roster. And okay, let's it's like it's like modern day WWE. There's a lot of talent on the roster and there's not a lot of show for it. All right. We need to pause for a second. Okay. Because I, I got to rebut this point by point. Number one, Dave Grohl. This is actually a really good display of Dave Grohl. Like, um, no, he's a super good drummer. He is a super good drummer. That's the thing that I'm saying. Like, uh, if, it hadn't drummed for probably like five years before this. If or you're four. if you're if you're saying like, um, you know, he can play guitar and he can sing a lot better and he should be a frontman and stuff like that, then okay, that's not what I'm really arguing. Uh, Dave Grohl as a drummer on this record is fucking phenomenal. In fact, if you want, it, it, like, if I were going to cr- criticize any parts of later Queens going on, is that they don't have Dave Grohl anymore. No Dave uh, Grohl. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, Dave Grohl on Queens Records is amazing, and there's just no no rebutting that. Um, no, here's here's here, you didn't let me finish though. You okay, started rebutting fine. before I got finished. I got upset. What I will say <laughs> is that um, the new record, uh, Villains, yeah, I actually really dug. I liked it the first time when it was Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I give you that one. <laughs> um, I have a feeling that a lot of this record was being written right about the time that David Bowie died, and I think that was probably a big influence on what they were doing when they were doing it. it. It's not a carbon copy of it by any means, but like, there's a lot of influences that you can definitely hear that came from Bowie on this record, and that's not a bad thing. So yeah, I'm gonna give you that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that like I think there's a lot of things on this album that are an homage. Um, yeah, 
like not directly meant to rip off anything and no, but are no, meant no. to pay respects like there's a lot of sounds on this record like i was talking to my wife about this the other day because she's like i don't like my wife is kind of funny anytime we talk about any of the bands that i really like um she's just like well that sounds like the same thing that everything else you listen to sounds like and i'm like well you like punk so that's shut not, the fuck up that's maybe not even true because like you like queens and they don't sound anything like the black keys no, I know, but my wife, like, she cannot tell the difference between any Black Kids album or any Queens of the Stone Age album. And, you know, it, it's it's on on the one hand, I, I know, know that the that's really because... Black Keys albums, I can kind of see that, but then, like... Yeah. Then starting with Rubber Factory, though, like, there's a problem because you can definitely tell the difference. Yeah, so, like, the thing with my wife is I know that that is roughly code for, like, I'm just not interested in this and I don't really care. Um, But th- th- that's the thing here, like... Uh, when I was talking to her about it, like it just started me on a rant. She's like, "Oh, it just sounds like all the other ones." And I was like, "No, it doesn't. It sounds like it, there, there's like 50 surf shit going on. They've got some 80s synth going on. Like, there's a whole lot of different sounds that you need to stop and progress or uh, process for a second. Like, it's not just you know, like it, it is a completely different sounds for Queens, even compared to the last record, um, which itself was a major departure from uh, Era Vul- Vulgaris, which itself was a major departure from um lullabies and so on and so forth so yeah um josh home definitely has a lot of bowie inflections like he actually is is very very totally close to bowie anyway i didn't so. i didn't really think about that before you said that that um before you made the comparison but now that now that you say it like it it is both n- probably just correct uh because bowie did die around the time that most of the writing for this album would have been taking place yeah um when did bowie die a year ago two years ago would have been well it was 2016 i think it was part of that bitch of a year that was 2016 uh well so. okay so no i'm not even gonna maybe that's not entirely fair then because like uh one of the uh, one of the tracks in here that's my favorite um uh villains of circumstance it's the the penultimate track in the record um i saw a live performance from early 2016 uh, of that well, so here's here's the thing though um it it definitely was very reminiscent to me of ziggy stardust and that that can be a very influential record even if the dude's still alive because oh, yeah for ziggy sure. stardust and spiders from mars is is like and I don't say this about a lot of things. Ziggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars is one of the greatest records ever produced. Like, it is an amazing fucking record. Um, you can listen to it start to finish. And the arrangements couldn't be more perfect. Like, it is an amazing record. And it's it's one of the most influential rock records um, since the 70s. So, there's that. Yeah. Um so anyway this album for me uh I, I, I on friday when it came out i listened to it like it was the first thing i could get to and i listened to it um front to back as as quickly as i possibly could which was hard because i worked that day um i love it like i, I really do um no it's a good record Queen, I, queens I dig it. queens for me is one of those bands like uh let's take another band i really like incubus um incubus for me not the same evolution like um, it's like queens it, hasn't turned into the backstreet boys or insane so no I mean. it, it starts off like pretty good i was like oh science this is great for teenage me now it's not one of my favorite albums and then you know morning view and it's like oh yeah that's a really good record or no no, no not morning view um fuck what's the other one uh, uh i know what you're talking about yeah the one with stellar and yeah, and um, uh the other things that came before morning view i can't remember fuck anyway um there's that album and i was like okay this is really good too and then morning view comes out and i was like oh yeah they went from just the you know pop 
rock sort of stuff to like actually putting a spin on their own thing and then um uh um i can only think of the song a crow left of the murder which is uh, not the light album grenades. title light grenades was after that the record that i'm thinking about then it was a crow left of murder because that was the oh, name of that okay. record. Yeah, sure. A crow left of the murder was like, oh yeah, no, make yourself this is, is the one you're this, talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Make yourself it came before Morning View. Make yourself was very like commercially successful and like pop rocky, and I was like, oh, this is good. Morning View came after, and I was like, oh, okay, now they're putting their own spin on this thing. I like Morning View a lot. Like it's, it's my terms, favorite. Yeah, it's, it's a great record. So. Period. It's my favorite um, for lots of reasons, but it's my favorite. And then they did um, Curl After the Murder. And it's like, oh, yeah, they're doing something different here. This is a good evolution. It sounds like Incubus. It's got some of the reminisce. It's reminiscent of old Incubus, even going back to Fungus. Um, like Grenades, more of the same kind of very close to a, a Crow. And then they did whatever the fuck the next album was. And I was like, if not now, when? And that yeah. was that was five years after Light Grenades, actually. And and then when they did they did that, I was like, "What the ever loving balls is even happening here?" Um, I think actually for that one, Einziger got castrated, and they just threw his guitar in the scrap heap along with his balls. They just didn't let him play it at all. <laughs> no. Um, so that album sucked. Uh, I did not like it at all. Um, the the latest one that came out, I think, is just called Eight. Um, is not bad not not as bad but i also haven't re-listened to it more than two or three times um queens is the opposite for me like queens i got involved around um lullabies which is 2005 um that's the second album after the the main one that you everybody knows and that's of course um songs for the deaf um when i around the time that i got into lullabies i also heavily started listening to r um as in rated r uh and those two albums sort of became my favorite things, Lullabies and Rated R. Uh, they're still two of my favorite albums to this day. Um, and I just kind of got into those, and they've got their own distinct sounds. They're very different from each other, but very similar in, in, in key ways. And I kept listening and so on and so forth. And now we're to the point where we're at Villains, and you see this clear progression in which every album is different, every album is a progression, but it's not so far from the original that you're just like, what the fuck happened? Like, it's not like, don't get me wrong, love Chris Cornell, but what's the fucking album he did that was produced by, like, Timberland or whatever? What? Who? Cornell. Cornell, Timberland, oh, Scream scream yeah no, it's not like scream it. it's not like it's not like so far from like the what are you it's not like scream in that like this isn't what i listened to you for this isn't why right. why are you here right now and yeah um, and one of my favorite chris cornell tracks ever came from that record um which at the time was called uh uh two drink minimum but now is uh hope and promise fade or something like that as hope and promise fade that's eh, all right um that i like cut? that track i dude, like that track dude, i like it, it on songbooks so perfectly i like it on songbooks uh, i will give you that but it's, it's not my favorite track dude it's good on it's good on scream too because it's not overproduced like it's him and fucking um uh john mayer john mayer co-wrote this it with is, him oh that's interesting yeah um so anyway uh we got the new the new album villains um Villains is really yeah, excellent in my mind. I, I like, I really, really like it, especially like as a Queens fan who's been listening for a while now. Um, you know, that's 12 or 13 years I've been listening to 15, Queens. Actually, 
Yeah. Because 2002 was Songs for the Deaf, and I assume you didn't really listen to them too much before that. I mean, I knew that they existed around that time because I was like, what no one knows was all over the radio at that point. Um, But uh, I didn't, I wasn't really a fan at that point. I didn't really start to be a fan until around 2004 or five when Lullabies was out. And even then I immediately gravitated back towards R. Like if, if I were going to say, what is my first Queens album? It would be R, even though I listened to it way the fuck after it actually came out. Um, That said, uh, I, I really like this album as a progression for Queens because it sounds very distinctly like Queens. It's not an album that comes out from anybody or that sounds like anything else. It sounds like a Queens album. But on the other hand, there's so much good stuff in this. Like you mentioned, like it sounds like Ziggy Stardust. I, I count that in its favor. Like there's a lot of influence I hear on this record. There's a lot of things that they're doing differently than I think that they're bringing back some sort of like nostalgic sounds that are amazing, but also putting the Queens flair on it. That sounds very distinctly Queens at the same time. Um, so I, I really fucking love that part about it. Um, anyway, sorry. It, it looks like you want to talk and I just, I feel like if I don't stop, I'm just going to keep just like verbally filleting, uh, uh, Queens and stone age. So go for it. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, Number one, if I ever say that a record to be sounds like Ziggy Stardust, it's probably not an insult. I mean, it can be like th- there. There's a difference between an homage and a ripoff, um, right? But if it's a ripoff, I'll 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 just call it out directly and yeah. say, you know, um, yeah, no, don't do that. But um, I I'm a huge Bowie fan. I don't know if we've really talked about that at length. I mean, I know we probably talked about it a little bit when he died. And we whatnot, really haven't, but, yeah. But I'm a, I'm a super huge fan of Bowie. Um, and it's weird because you listen to Ziggy Stardust and you listen to the stuff before that and after that and everything in your life. And, and, and you, you, you ask yourself why everything else that he's done can't be as perfect as Ziggy Stardust. And that's because Ziggy Stardust is kind of one of those one in a million shots. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to say that Villains by Queens of Stone Age is that record for them because it's not. I think they probably still have that coming um and and honestly i listened to a very small sample size because he did ask me earlier in the week you know um are you a queens fan and i was like "Mm." you know i've really exposed myself to it so but today i did i did very intentionally listen to songs for the deaf and villains back to back um i've got to say i prefer the latter that's that's fair. Like, um, I think there's there's also a sizable portion of people who I think are going to fall in the same group, especially like if you're not really a Queens fan, um, but that actually I think would probably be a default. Like, I, I do think that there's a subset like that. It, it's weird because this is not a poppy record by any stretch. It's not. But it's got some poppy riffs in it. It's got some stuff that you're going to recognize. Like Queen uh, songs is very much more like metal uh, sort of um the two singles on on songs of the deaf are actually much more poppy than anything that's on villains yeah um, and, so in its defense like it's not that i'm liking villains because it's 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 definitely more mainstream sounding or anything like that it just is a more well produced put together record in my opinion but but like that said um it's funny you mentioned producers that's another thing we'll talk about um villains is very um it's recognizable in the way that it sounds a little like there are parts of it that sound like kind of surf punky like right. uh, um or punk or surf or you know various combinations thereof uh it also since you mentioned producers it's actually produced by mark ronson who i'm not familiar with 
Mark Ronson, um, the the biggest thing you'd know him from probably of the last you know four or five years is uh, that fucking song with Bruno Mars. Um, <laughs> he, I can't remember. Um, what's that fucking song called? Don't ask um, me. I'm too hot. Call the police, goddamn. Uh, I don't, I don't know Bruno Mars. I know that Bruno Mars was named after Bruno San Martino. That's all I know. I mean, I know you'd know the song if you listen to it, and I can't even think of the fucking name of the song. Jesus Christ. Um, but anyway, when I heard like Mark Ronson was producing this album, I was like, what? This is a little bit like, oh, f- shit. Like, I got to prepare myself because this is like Timberland producing a Chris Cornell album. But it turns out I like this album a lot better. Um so Mark Ronson produced this album. Um, the production value on it is super tight. Like I will give them that. Like especially the first time I sat down and actually listened to it through headphones and like and really listen to all the um, little bits of the 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 record. It, it is very tight and I like it a lot. Um, anyway, I don't know Queens villains. Uh, I'm a huge Queens fan. It would take you know I was a huge Incubus fan too they fantastically disappointed me um queens did not i i really really like this record i'd see this record as a natural evolution from the periods they come from before um if you if you started with songs if and you went to villains you'd probably be like well what the fuck happened here um even though it's not nearly as much of a departure as um say um morning view and eight or no morning view and uh if not now when are uh, but that said, if you listen through from songs to uh, lullabies to era vulgaris to like clockwork, um, it, it's just it it falls right in line with that. It it is a nice progression. Um, it's something entirely its own, but it is a nice progression from where they've been at before. So uh, I'm gonna give this album. This is like a nine out of ten for me. Like I still like I sing riffs in it from in my head all I- the time. I'd give it a seven out of ten for me, but that's because I've only listened to it once so far, and, and yeah. I'm not already like a built-in Queens of the Stone Age fan. So yeah, like you know. don't get me wrong, I know I'm waiting the the rating because I'm a Queens fan. Um, but that said, I I do think it's a solid album, and this is another thing that like I I think it's an accessible album, like um in a weird way because on the other hand it's not it is sort of out there um it is like ziggy stardust like i don't know that a lot of people like they would all say like it's the it's the bowie album or one of the big bowie albums but i don't know that it'd be a starting point like the the same thing like sergeant pepper i don't know that i'd reckon recommend people start with sergeant pepper although it is probably one of the penultimate beatles albums uh i I mean abbey road probably for me but that's also one of the last Beatles album so I mean uh, Uh, it's hard with the Beatles too because I think everybody would fight about this exact question where do you start and what's the best well Uh, there's such a huge disparity between like early Beatles and later Beatles like they evolve so much as a band that it's it's really hard to tell like it depends if you like early Beatles then probably Rubber Soul Revolver maybe but like if you like later Beatles um, then Abbey Road or even Let It Be I actually have Let It Be Naked which is the one that they stripped out all the Phil Spector production from well, I mean, and it's amazing. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, you're, you're talking, you're talking a band that, you know, they've been around 20 years, but like they're, they're not Bowie and they're not the Beatles and they're just doing what they can do, um, to try and diversify themselves. One of the headlines I read about this record is, is, um, there's no more tricks left up their sleeve, but they've still managed to, to do this amazing thing. Yeah. Um, which I think is probably pretty apropos. 
it's almost a backhanded compliment but on the other hand it's not like um it, it does like it is a queen's record like it is One very much a queen's record is that they didn't actually have to do anything weird or out of the norm to like make this a, a good record you know yeah. what i mean so that in itself is almost a a, a a trick up your sleeve so to speak so yeah well, I mean, that, that, that's the thing. Like, the, we've all we've all got a band in mind who we've listened to a million times, and they haven't really evolved or changed in you know however many records, and that gets boring. And it's not what we like to see from artists. And this is not that. Like, if if uh, you know, so like you listen to songs and then went to villains, they're really vastly different things, aren't no, they? They're hugely different. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, on the other hand. I, I think you can see like um especially in like riff stylization and just like uh Josh Holm has always described his music as like robot rock as in it's kind of repetitive and you know his vocal stylings have gotten better over the years I can definitely tell you that there's 15 years difference between those two records and like you can tell it listening to oh it, yeah like- I mean he talked about this on uh like clockwork um like clockwork was one of the first albums where he really went different in the vocals um especially hitting those high notes and shit like that. Uh, and it shows up even more, I think in, um, villains. So anyway, I, I guess we'll leave it there. Uh, um, I'm a big fan. Mm, you know, uh, if, if you want to listen to more Queens, I would go back and, you know, I think songs for the deaf is a good place to start. Uh, rated R for me is probably going to be the penultimate. I've got, uh, I've got, which one has the fruits on the front of it? It's like a pink cover with like little fruits on it. I think you're talking about Era Vulgaris, but that's definitely not Fruits. No, well, you could be right. Hold on. Because uh, the self-titled Queens of the Stone Age is uh, basically a chick's bikini line. Um, R is literally a blue rated R logo. Um, Songs to the Deaf is, of course, the like the red and the pitchfork. Um, Lullabies no, I, I think is... It, I think it's absolutely the first one that you said it was. Era Vulgaris? Yeah. Oh, they're not fruits. They're light bulbs. Yeah, I yeah, they're so. broken light bulbs. Um, Air Vulgaris is another good like check that out because like if nothing else, I really enjoyed the wordplay on several of the tracks, specifically like turn it on the screw. Um, uh, I, the, I downloaded the the make it with you track. Uh, well, I actually have the whole record, but like I got it specifically because Liam uh, Lynch is a contributor with this one and I'm yeah. actually a, a pretty Make it with you is actually kind of a track that I really really like but it's the least queen song that is queen. It's the single from this record at least like the the It's one of them. The top. The the big thing um like this was even on Rock Band was like as in the game Rock Band 3s and 7s. Um 3s and 7s like I, I don't even know how to explain Queens Queens. If you can't get on board for threes and sevens, like I'm just not even sure. I'll, I'll check this one out too. Um, the other thing that I noticed about this record too, is that it's uh, obscenely short. A villain. Like 48 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It is a very short. Um, it, 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 it's, it's funny because 48 minutes is not the shortest record in the history, but it's only like nine tracks. No. And most of the tracks are relatively short. There's a few, actually they're not mostly, uh, there's a lot of them that are well over five minutes. Uh, Six of the songs of the nine tracks are actually over five minutes long. So yeah, it's not a Weezer record by any means. Another challenge for the audience. Uh, go find that Josh Home does um, in like 2016, a acoustic version of Villains of Circumstance. God, I love that. It's so good. Anyway, I can see that. I'll probably check that out myself. Um, so needless to say i don't hate this record i did want you to be prepared for my my observations (laughs) yeah 
uh, I it's definitely okay. I, I'm don't. I'm not on the album. <laughs> I don't care much for songs for the deaf. I really don't. I don't like it's i get it it's a breakthrough record because they were around for a few years before that but honestly like i'm just looking at it going there's a lot of bands that came out in 2002 or were that were around in 2002 songs, that did a lot of good stuff songs when it came out in the first few times first few probably 50 times i listened to it i felt the same way like it wasn't until like the last five years where i was like oh man and even still it's not my favorite queen's record i know it's, it's no one, one the- knows was a huge commercial success for them i know that because i i, I remember the hook in my yeah. head um, there was no one knows, and then there was um, was it gonna leave you? Is that the other one that was big for them? No, it's it was, uh, uh, um, track eight. Uh, fucking oh, hanging tree. No, 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 fuck. It's track eight. Am, am I getting it wrong? No, it's not. It's uh, it was about middle, middle to to middle. There's end no of track the nine. On, are you on Apple Music there? Uh oh, oh that's because I need to scroll up. It was oh, go, go with, with the flow. flow. Yeah. yeah, I can go with the flow. Yeah. Anyway, that was um, the other, that was the other single. Uh, so yeah, um, songs is one of those albums that um I think is kind of controversial because it's a where a lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people jumped on with Queens because that was the sort of breakthrough hit. But that was the no one knows record. Like yeah, that. no one knows, and that was really where I think this is about the time where MTV Two was a thing, and um, there was that, actually videos for a while. There was actually videos, and you got um, um Dave Grohl doing drums. And so that was a big album for Queens, and it was a really, really good one, and I like it a lot. It's still one of my favorites, um, but it's not the best one for me. And you know, f- you know, for example, um, R R is probably still the one that I would say like if you're gonna listen to one of them, R is probably the one to go with. Um, yeah, that's it. It's old. It's got a much different sound to it. Um, you do have to listen to it like with a little bit of a lens because it's it's a lot more raw sound, a lot less produced. And so if you're one of those people who are just like, uh, I can't watch a movie that hasn't been in the theater, um, then it's not for you. So I I think we might need to actually watch this, which is Carpool Karaoke uh, oh, with I Sansa it. and Arya Stark. You I, watched I, it already? I did. Not on. Not. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, um, that's the show for this week, folks. If... No, it's not. Hold on. What the? F- Fine, fuck. Oh, the new Foo Fighters track? Yeah, we're going to talk about that just, just, just for a minute because I asked you to listen to it. I did. I listened to it a couple times, and I still can't fucking remember it, which I don't, I don't think is a good sign. You're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. I like it. The Sky is a Neighborhood is the new one. I, and it, it was, it was it, like, it's so stripped down. And just like kind of blues rocky that I was like, man, this is Black Keys. It starts like, he's, that way. He sounds it like Black Keys quite a bit. Okay. Play it and we'll come back to it. Okay. Okay. So we went down a little bit of a rabbit hole just now. We uh, <laughs> decided we were going to listen to um, the new Foo Fighters track. What's it called again? God damn you. Fucking hell. We just listened to it. <laughs> we did. We just fucking listened uh, to it. We just listened to it. So anyway, we decided... It's from gonna... Concrete and Gold, which is the upcoming Foo Fighters record, and it's The Sky's the Neighborhood. Yeah, The Sky's the Neighborhood. Um, we just listened to that. Matt texted me a few days ago, and he's like, did you listen to this new track? And I was like, yeah, I don't really remember it. And he's like, it's got a really bluesy vibe to it. And I was like, yeah, I, I actually it really brought does. Black Keys into it, because it's yeah. very simple when it first starts. And when it does first start, it does have like a nice bluesy vibe to it. Um and it's got that kind of feel it does feel a little 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 reminiscent of the keys um and then it goes into a more sort of stadium rock sort of sound that foo fighters has had across a variety of records now 
Anyway, we went down a massive fucking rabbit hole um, because we were like, oh, yeah, you know what that reminds me of? This other Foos track, which reminds me of this one. And then so I think we just ran through the discography really fast. Um, we actually jerked off Dave Grohl, like, just really quick before we We did. Came I'm back. still cleaning up. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, so the new track, I really, really like it. This isn't – it falls in line with the Queen's talk we just had. Um, Foo Fighters is another band that's continuously evolved – um, I, I don't think, in fairness, that I, I don't think they've branched as much as uh, uh, Queens has. I don't think they've had to, though, to be fair. They haven't really. Um, they do have sort of a... 95 is the first Foo Fighters record. I don't want to say timeless, but they do have a sound that um, it doesn't really matter what year I'm listening into it. it, it it's good. Um, like, I can go back and listen to uh, um, the Foo Fighters self-titled, and it's still really, really good. I can go back and listen to Color and the Shape. Color and Shape, probably my favorite Foo Fighters record. Um, I can go listen to any of that, and it still sounds really, really good today. So um, I don't yeah. know that I can name a favorite Foo Fighters record either. To me, like there's a there's so much good stuff like spread out through. Yeah, some it's, of it. it's, it's probably it's, easier it's, for me to pick a favorite child. Um, um, it, it's amazing too when you think about it, um, because people talk to Dave Grohl a lot about you know like what his life would have been like if uh, Kurt Cobain hadn't killed himself and whatnot it's and it and it's it's a touchy subject but he's also kind of come out and said look i was the fifth nirvana drummer like i had no no plans and schemes that like that was going to be like the end game for me um and so i kind of feel like even if kurt hadn't done what he did like maybe foo fighters would still be a thing i don't know if it would be if it would have been his primary focus or not it might you know it's interesting because Dave's obviously a massive talent. And I don't think it would have probably have been the Foo Fighters as we know him today. Foo Fighters, you know, like selling out Wembley. Um, I, I I think he had the first record pretty well written, though, by the time everything happened. So. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, it, it would be a different world. Um, and I'm not sure how big they would have gotten. But, um, you know, certainly they would have been a huge, huge... I mean, Dave would have been a huge talent either way. Like... Uh, you know, like you said, he had the first re- record pretty much written before that happened, and obviously that turned out pretty fucking good. So um, this is this is hard for me to say, but this is one of those situations where kind of like a tragedy, um, spawned something good. Yeah. Uh, because if we didn't get the Foo Fighters that we know today, we might not be as familiar with Dave Grohl as we are. And Dave Grohl, for all intents and purposes, is a very very good human being. He uh, is, and he's a great musician too. Like, and he's a very, um, I, I think, uh, multi-talented musician. Not just in the fact that he's a drummer, he's a singer, he's a guitarist, um, but also he's very bold in what type of shit he'll try. Like, Probot, fucking Probot, like, um, is is a just a ballsy record, just to, even from conception. For, for those of you who don't know what Probot is, Probot was a it was a, a concept that Dave Grohl had where he would get together with all of his favorites, uh, you know. Uh, new wave of british heavy metal singers basically um i can't and, say that and his... punk singers and like lemmy kilmister and whatnot like he got together with all these different people and recorded different tracks with every single one of them um where his part might not necessarily be the same in any track like he might play guitar on one track and play drums on another track and whatever um i honestly think his game plan was i'm rich and i want to <laughs> play music with these guys uh let's make been, it happen but he did it under the under the pretense that hey we're gonna make this record yeah whether anybody bought it or not i don't know but no probot not exactly knocking down doors but um it, it, it's just a branch that he's into so and, I like and it. it was something that that he was able to afford himself to do based on other things that he'd done yeah uh i want to be that rich I, I i think that's ultimately the goal is to be like well 
I did this and that it's, and the other it's thing. Fuck you and money. Now, like it's fuck you money. I can do whatever they want. Fuck you. Now I want to do this and yeah. I'm gonna do this. And that's kind of how Metallica has treated their last several records. You know what I mean? Like they're just like whatever. <laughs> Not quite as good though. Um, hey, their last couple records have been good. Yeah. I've liked so anyway, couple, um, um, so Foo Fighters, thing, neighborhood, Sky's neighborhood, Sky's neighborhood. Yeah. It's a good track. I like it. Um, I look forward to seeing it live in December. <sighs> fuck you. Uh, Matt got tickets for December. I do not have tickets because I didn't realize they were a thing, and now I'm really gonna go heavily look into getting tickets. They're for not sold out. So, um, yeah. My uh, my thing is, is the last time I saw the Foo Fighters in concert was circa 1997. I haven't seen Foo. I, like I, I, I've not been to a Foo Fighters concert, so I'm really excited about. I've, the I've seen the Foo's live, but I like I, neither Dave or I had a beard back then. <laughs> so this is the new thing. <laughs> This will be For a new everybody thing. around. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what their live show is like now versus back then. Um, their lineup was pretty much still the same back then. They had, you know, Pat Smear was coming in doing, uh, you know, stage guitar yeah. and whatnot. Uh, don't know who's opening. Like I've looked, I I can't find a single thing <laughs> where it, it even shows who's opening and whatnot. But it's gonna be at the Maddie Night down in Eugene. It's in Eugene. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I need to go get tickets for this. You probably should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you probably shouldn't bail at the last minute either. Well, I mean, I can't at this point. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, that actually has to be the show for this week because I got to go find out if I can get tickets for this thing. Um, if you want to go tell us about your Foo experience or Queens of the Stone Age or any of the things we talked about tonight, you can go find us on Twitter at whatever show. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash whatever show questions at whatever.co if you're in email if you like to pay us money to do the show sponsors at whatever.co will be the good way to get a hold of us to be like hey let me write you a reebok check yeah dave if you're like yeah so you gave me the you know, like i need a reach around now you can tip the sponsors at whatever.co sure yeah yeah we'll take dave roll money yeah for sure uh we will see you next week guys later S-